Welcome back to the Galaxy's favorite talk show. As always, I'm your host, Nick, joined by my co-host, Joshua. Nick, this is a cosmic kickback because we're talking all things cosmic this episode. We're going straight into quantum theory. Yes, we are. <laughs> we, the notes we have for this are, are literally notes for uh, theoretical physics. Get ready for a five-hour uh, science lesson. Oh, yeah. But remember, theory will only take you so far. Yes. So for anyone that's listening, thank you for joining us. Uh, we are Cosmic Kickback. We do reviews. Um, we talk about trailers, movie news, anything that happens in the movie-verse. And I... I mean, this whole review could honestly be just as long as the movie. Like, I mean, it could if we went I'm, crazy. I'm very excited about this. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. This came out uh, on the 21st uh, of last month of July. That's true. So it's been out for maybe like two, maybe three two weeks. or three weeks, maybe yes. going on four. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to talk about this. For anyone that's watching on YouTube, um, we're dressed <laughs> up. Josh still has the Ken hair, but... Um, I look just like Oppenheimer. Nick's got a Nick's got the Indiana Jones hat on. Yeah, dude, this is actually I don't want to stray from the topic of Oppenheimer, <laughs> but this is from 2008, bro. This is like, like a, it's when the Crystal Skull movie came out. Would you get it like from AMC or what? No, I got it from like an actual hat shop. Oh, like, really? So like, that's a nice hat then. Yeah, I it, mean it does look good. It's a little dirty. I'm not gonna lie, because I found it like when we were moving <laughs> stuff around my house. But I want to go get it like cleaned. You're like all oh, things like God. yeah, like fixed does up. Does it still fit your head? No, this is insanely tight, bro. I think this is for a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would be your head size back in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is so it I, possible to stretch out hats? Like, could you be like, please make this bigger? I think you can. I was looking it up because if ah. you if you hit like a fedora with steam because it's made of a certain material, yeah, you can like manipulate it. Yeah, you might be good then. But yeah, this is uh for now. This is the Oppenheimer hat. Oh, yeah, I mean, but we need you like staring intensely into the camera. <laughs> if you're yeah if you're watching on youtube we're dressed up nick doesn't just have a hat on he's got a whole ass suit yeah it's um, very hot oh my god yeah it's like 102 degrees outside we're filming this in texas i i began to put on the suit and then i was like you know what nick didn't dye his hair blonde he, he can he can go full suit <laughs> I'll, I'll go like you know coat oh so you want this episode to go on as long as possible so I, so i can suffer actually yeah we can make we can make this be a four hour i'm already sweating bro i mean you, yeah, you i mean I know. i'm committed though to, to reviewing this Dressed as Oppenheimer. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, do you want to just go full spoilers because it's been out like a little bit? Or do you want to touch? Do you want to do a tiny no spoiler section? I think. Or do you want to do some movie news real quick? I know like I got like two current things happening that okay. I can talk about we'll real do, quick before we jump in. We'll do We'll do the movie news. Okay. And then we'll maybe do like a little non-spoiler for anyone tiny. that's still kind of thinking about not seeing it. Subatomic this. level. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll get into pretty much all spoilers. All right, let me put my phone out real quick. Because uh, I just saw this right before we began filming. So this is fresh news. I even took a screenshot of it so I wouldn't take a long time finding it. Nice. Okay. So as we know, there's a writer and uh, actor strike going on right now. Yes. It's going on for a while. A couple, couple weeks back, we actually talked about this in more in depth if you want to go look at that episode. Okay. But uh, we talked about how Bob Iger said something. I don't remember the exact quote, but he was pretty much saying like, uh, these dudes gotta like uh, they gotta grow up, you know. They gotta yeah. be more realistic. You like, know, they won't be realistic. They said so. He said something like that. But he's back. We got a headshot of him right here, chilling, smiling, <laughs> enjoying the billions. Piece of shit. <laughs> but he said he's pretty much one eightyed on his previous statement, and he said uh, he publicly told actors and writers. Oh, yeah, this is what he said before that they were not being realistic over their demands for fair pay. Okay. He now claims that he himself personally is committed with quote. 
uh, fervent hope to quickly find solutions to the issues that have kept us apart these past few months. Do you think he's capping or do you think he's, you think he's, that sounds very, I mean, everything a CEO says is it goes through a PR team. That yeah. sounds very, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a glimpse of hope. I, I mean, mean I re- the year is not over and I hope Yeah, we were talking about how like pretty much everything that comes out the rest of this year is going to be like the rest of what comes out of, I guess, SAG-AFTRA and like yeah. the, after that, it's going to be the reruns. writers guild. Yeah. It's probably going to re- be reruns or people who aren't striking and they just mm. want to make money. I've already seen. Yes. I don't even want to talk about this, but <laughs> I saw a movie trailer for like a killer sloth. Bro, that oh is my coming God, out. I saw that too. It looks so bad, bro. bro we gotta watch. And it, it's like immediately we're seeing the ramifications of just not paying. I mean, writers. I'm going opening night to uh, the sloth movie, bro. It's called like Slother House or something. Slother House or something yep. like that, bro. I know. I showed Carla that trailer <laughs> and she immediately got hyped. That looks like something they would show at Draft House and yeah, and get people hyped. They give you. They would make fun of it and like embrace the how, how bad it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm going regardless, but. We're going to have to start getting real creative on the podcast once everything starts slowing down. I know. We're going to have to bring back... Maybe like we're going to strike the podcast. <laughs> also, before I, we even like get into this review, I, mm-hmm. I saw some YouTube channels say this. Um, if you're like an entertainment or media journalist, you still have like 100% of the right to talk about movies and stuff. But we totally still support the strike and the writers that aren't getting paid. I agree. Um, but we still think it's important to... I mean, review Oppenheimer... Review the rest of the year's movies because it might be it for a while. It might be yeah the last uh, I guess you know good movies coming out. I mean this one's definitely like really good. I mean this this summer went crazy yeah. for blockbusters. Like if yeah. we're keeping it real. Uh, so yeah, I mean let's do the hell. Sorry, uh, <laughs> right now as we film Nick's neighborhood. There's just like some water shit going crazy on yeah. outside. Literally like a fire hydrant. Like in a movie when you see it burst and it just starts. That's literally what is happening. Like it, <laughs> it is just shooting constant water. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I'm glad you closed the curtain because I'd low-key be distracted be like, watching Oh, it. yeah. I just no. heard a sound. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, it sounded like a, like a sprinkler. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. There, I hope it doesn't make a like a like an I would imagine if we got it on, on, on camera. On bro. camera. Yeah, but anyway, Jesus. that's the only news I had. I'm sure there's other stuff, but that's all we're going to talk about for today. Okay. I heard Sony also talk about the writer strike, saying that mm-hmm. they were going to, um, I don't know, like reconsider or sit down and like really evaluate how they can pay their writers and stuff. Okay. Um, I feel like the biggest thing that I think they need to bring or figure out, actually two things. I think they need to figure out how to do, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, how they used to have cable when you get paid. Yeah. They need it for streaming. Oh, residuals. Residuals, yeah. yes. They need to figure out streaming. Yeah, either residuals. like a, either a base salary. I, I don't know. I would rather write for a show and get paid a certain amount. But I don't know, because then if it reruns, it depends on That's how popular saying. it is. With, with streaming, it completely changes it. Because with reruns, writers, and even if you were just like a small little actor in the side, a background character, you had a one episode. If it was a popular episode, you're yeah. getting paid every time that shit runs on cable. Damn. So on streaming, people... I mean, some people rewatch like Friends, The Office, all that shit all the yeah, time. All the time. And the only people that get are getting paid for it are the studio making deals at the streaming sites. There's no residuals involved. That's crazy. That's because streaming wasn't a thing. So they don't there's no guidelines or anything written for that. So they need to figure that out. They gotta get laws behind it. They do, they do. And they need they need to figure out the A uh the A not AI. That's yeah. another thing, because AI is gonna be an issue. Oh jeez. And scanning people digitally and how that works. Yeah, I saw Netflix had scanned people's like faces or something or it was disney 
Yeah, I'm sure and they, they all do are going to use them as like background generative like fill. I don't know. It's kind of it's weird. It's, it's still very new, and I feel like people are like covering this in the news, but well, they you, don't even really fully understand. Well, you know why they're doing it. If you think about it from their point of view, the reason why they're doing it because they think it's cheaper to scan somebody, pay them a one-time fee, uh, a one-time like check, and then for the rest of their life they can just generate these digital backgrounds with yeah. like extras so they don't have to pay extras. Like say like there's a, a scene that's in a coliseum. Exactly. Like, yeah, fill them all with these faces. Just Yeah, just throw these random faces in there and then they don't have to pay them. They pay them once and they're using their likeness. That's crazy. So it's saving money Depends by having on to how pay much extras. I would get paid. That's wild, bro. Like I, that's just... Oh man, it's it's very scary. It's becoming a Black Mirror episode. Jesus, it really is, bro. Yeah, it's but it's scary. It is. Uh, okay, so you ready for a quick non-spoiler? Yeah, so we're gonna do this. This is actually kind of an idea I had. I think we should okay. do the spoilers in black and white oh, <laughs> for the rest shit. of the episode, and oh we'll and we'll do non-spoilers in color. Okay, so if you're on YouTube, you'll see that. If you're yeah. listening, I mean, if you're listening. You just gonna have to listen we, to when we, we say no more spoilers. The most we could do is like, nah, I don't want to do all this. I'm just pitch. I'm just throwing shit out there. But the most we could do is just make the uh, the microphone quality just go to like old timey, like 19. <laughs> like it just sounds like, yeah, like <laughs> for the rest of the episode. But that's that's not like gonna a be mono, fun for nobody. A monogram. Yeah, like we turn it to mono. From we get chain turn off stereo, make it <laughs> mono for the rest. Well, of the the, episode. I mean, the non spoilers for this it'll be probably very short. Yeah. Um, but it will. Yeah, I don't want to. Sit yeah. too much on it. It's been out for a while. Yeah, before we get into it, uh, the non-spoilers. We've seen this twice. Yeah, I've oh, seen it. Oh my god, I've seen it in regular. I saw it at Draft House. I think mm-hmm. opening night okay. or like the night after, mm-hmm. and then I saw it in uh, IMAX seventy millimeter on the fourth mm-hmm. at AMC because yeah. only nineteen theaters are actually showing. Yeah, in the film. in the U.S. Right? Yeah, in the U.S. There's and only thirty worldwide. Yeah, and there's one of them here in San Antonio. Yeah, we got lucky. Cool. We got real lucky. It's in, it's in our when, city. Even when I went on the fourth, it was like packed, bro. Yeah, it was a packed theater. So I, I got a story about this, Nick. That you, I didn't, I purposely didn't go into it with you. Okay. When I, but you know what happened. So, I, months back, like I think in June. Okay. Or whenever tickets first went on sale. I was like, I found out about 70 millimeter IMAX yeah. and I was like, oh shit, we have one here. And I was yeah. like, I want to do that. So I looked it up and the seats were already like selling out. Like I, I couldn't get like in the middle, like four from the back, perfect center. Couldn't I, get the front row. I couldn't get, <laughs> <laughs> I could get that, that one dude sitting front row, but I could, but I'm slightly to the left, but this theater is huge. Yeah. So even if you're slightly to the left, it's a, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's really an IMAX good. screen. Honestly, it's anywhere giant. you sit is fine yeah my only thing is i want i think the only the screen will look fine no matter anywhere but i think i i would preferably want to be centered just because of the speakers yeah because it would be like perfectly set up yeah but anyway so i bought two tickets one for me and one for my girlfriend nice and i was so excited you know i was like okay we're locked in and oh and on top of that it wasn't for opening night thursday it was for friday so technically opening day the 21st 21st yes at 10 15 a.m in the morning Damn. first showing of the day so and it's because the rest of them were like completely sold out yeah 10 a.m was viable and i, I could have gone weekend was entirely sold out every showing okay and monday i could have gone monday or tuesday but i did not want to wait through opening weekend i wanted to see it like as soon as i could ASAP. so i friday 10 a.m got some seats slightly to the left like you know not all the way far left but you know decent okay and oh my god brother so, 
We drive there. It's not that far of a drive, you know. No, it's like 25 minutes max. Yeah, I mean, it's longer than like... It's and then parking, Yeah, 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 sucks. yeah. You got to park in like a... I had to pay like 20 bucks, bro. Jesus, When yeah. I got there, actually, they gave us a parking voucher, but it only took like five bucks off of it. Yeah, it's annoying. It, it's, I thought it was for free. I was like, hell it yeah. It should have been, yeah. But uh, anyway, so we did the same, the same thing, all that. Okay. We start walking to the theater. There's a long line, and I'm like, damn, like, thank God we got here a little bit early. So we're standing there, and I start to pull up my ticket so I can have them on my phone ready. Yeah. So I pull up the email, I find it, and then I click on it so I can view the QR code or get the ticket or whatever. Yeah. And I can't see it. It, like, shows that I have it, but I, can't, I don't see a QR code for it. So I was like, dude, where's my ticket? So I kind of start freaking out a little bit internally while we're slowly inching to the front of the line. And I finally scroll to the very bottom of the page, and I see... That they had, and I checked my email again, and I had an email from literally like 30 minutes prior. And it's from them, and they sent me a refund for my ticket. Damn. And I got pissed because I was like, I know I have money. There's no way they like canceled my ticket because I didn't have funds or whatever. Like, why would they give me a refund? I was just so confused. I was like, wait, what the fuck's going on? I was pissed because I was so excited for this. I was like 70 millimeter IMAX film, like, this is the first I'm ever going to see that. Experience, bro. I'm so excited, and that happens, and I'm like, dude, there's no fucking way. So I immediately get really defeated, and I, like, step out of line, and my girlfriend comes to me, she's like, oh, what's wrong, what's going on? And I'm just like, bro, I don't think we got tickets. And I'm just like, and I just, she's like, what? And I'm telling her, like, dude, yeah, they said they refunded me. And I tried to go back and see if I could rebuy my tickets. Yeah. It was sold out. So I was like, someone must have bought my fucking seats, like, immediately after fucking crazy so i was pissed i was like dude so you missed the that showing oh yeah we're gonna get to it it gets even crazier jeez so i'm like holy shit i just want to leave like i was like i just want to get out of here as soon as possible i'm fucking annoyed (laughs) and then carla she's like no like we need to talk to somebody yeah and i was like "Ah, yeah i guess you're right so i'm like kind of standing off like pissed and then she gets back in line and then she overhears people talking and they they're talking about the same thing they're like, what the fuck? They refunded me? And like, I'm like, wait, okay, maybe this isn't just, just me. Yeah. So I'm like, hang on, like, let's get in line. And as we get closer to the front where everyone's talking to the girl at the front, that's why the line's taking so long. Yeah. Because everyone's saying the same shit to her. And they're all like, wait, my ticket, I have this. I don't know why I got refunded. And so then that's when we find out, as we get closer, we hear the uh, lady working there. She says that the their sound system for 70 millimeter is broken. Yeah, and they're like, so we can we can show it the picture, but there's no sound. And they're like, yeah, it broke. We don't know how to fix it. So they were just like, so we refunded everybody. That's why you got a refund. And they're like, yeah, so we're still going to show the movie. They're like, but we have to show it in digital IMAX, not 70 million. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was like, bro, there's no fucking way. I was, oh, man. It honestly, like, I still saw the movie, but it, it on, I honestly was kind of like, like, I still enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I, I was just, it's hard to enjoy the movie when the whole time I'm just like, dude, like, I should be watching this. So is it, it's still IMAX, right? Digital IMAX? So the difference, yeah, it's the difference is it's not film, it's digital. Yeah. So digital, I'm getting about 2K, I think, 2K to 4K quality. Yeah. I've heard the IMAX 70 millimeter print is about 12K, and it's like grainy and like, it's like, I don't know, it's supposed to be even more immersive. I mean, you saw it. Yeah. So how did it compare to standard for you? Um, I mean, so I never saw it in just standard IMAX. I just yeah, saw it at saw Alamo it, Draft House. Yeah, so you probably was, saw a digital standard. Yeah, digital standard. And then seeing it in IMAX film, I think 
It was incredible. I think it made the black and white scenes look so mm. good. You could see like little film grains f- like speckling across for like a brief like nanosecond and yeah. it just made it feel more like a film. Um, ah, damn. And then IMAX, it was cool too. I, I want to talk about this later when we talk about IMAX, but mm-hmm. there there's teams where, times where the aspect ratio changes. Mm-hmm. So are. it's like it's full IMAX and then there's it's a close-up shot so we have the cinematic bars and it's just like regular. So they intercut it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can talk about why, but overall in IMAX 70 mil, like I'd never, I think it was probably my first time seeing like a 70 millimeter IMAX film. I'm and sure. It was, yeah. It was really good. And I really would, I would, I think I heard about them extending it. They did. They extended it twice so far. That's great. So the first, I, I do want to see it again. So you have, I think they extended it to the end of August. So the 31st. Um, so for me, I, I was kind of defeated. I saw it, but. I heard they extended it the first time. They've extended it twice, like two days ago. Okay. But for the first extension, I immediately hopped on. Actually, after we saw the movie, I bought it for. I bought more IMAX seventy millimeter tickets for this past Monday, so like August first, I think. Okay. Or August second, I don't remember. Uh, I think it was the first. So I had bought tickets for that day. So yeah. I was gonna go see it Monday after I came back from the beach with Carla. Yeah, you were gone that yeah. weekend, right? And so I was like, "Oh shit, tomorrow's the day we see it." And we had we had better seats than, actually, no, our seats weren't as good as the first time we were gonna go when they screwed up their sound system. Damn. Um. Oh wait, hang on. Before I even get into this, uh, when we were there, there was more stuff. So we get there, I'm still kind of annoyed because I'm like, "Damn, bro, like I want to see it in this." Yeah. We sit down. And on top of that, it was delayed. It was supposed to start at 10 to 15. And they, I guess because they had to move the giant ass film reel and like bring in the yeah. digital projector. That's probably what caused. Have you seen a photo of it? Oh, yeah. It's huge. It's ginormous. It's and giant. three hours of film. So it's. Yeah. Oh, I, I heard it's like literally like you couldn't go any longer. Like, <laughs> I've heard that they were like, yeah, he put it literally to the limit. We couldn't do any more than this. Damn. Um, that's crazy. So. We're sitting there and there's like a group of like five friends in front of us. There's like a guy just by himself to my left okay. and two people behind us. And they're all kind of having their conversations. And I'm, we're kind of just sitting there like in silence because I'm like annoyed. And I'm just like, damn. And I hear the people in front of us talking. They're all like a group of friends. And they drove like five and a half hours to the place to see the movie in 70 millimeter IMAX. Wow. For us, we live here. So yeah. it's like it's. It's like, a, it's still annoying, but oh my God, imagine, imagine yeah. you're like, I really want to see it in this quality. So let me take a road trip with my friends. I mean, that, that'd be a fun road trip. Yeah. And then you get there and then this shit's fucked. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. And the guy to my left, he flew in, he flew wow. in from like somewhere. I don't know where he did. I, he seemed annoyed too. So I didn't want to push him. He was just like, he's like, yeah, bro, I, I flew in. And I was just like, oh shit. And he was just like, they all seemed really annoyed. Wow. People behind us drove like three hours. So everybody around us had all came like on journeys. They weren't ready, man. Yeah. They were not ready for how. Oh, my God. If that was me, I'd actually be furious. I would actually probably make a scene and say, I don't give a shit if I'm seeing it in digital IMAX. You guys are going to have to give me tickets to another IMAX showing or something. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Like another 70. Because yeah. like, that never happens. No. There are never 70 millimeter IMAX prints. Yeah. I think like well, we're on the sub- subject of like 70 millimeter like Christopher Nolan, I guess you can look at him as like a, a filmmaker's, like a real filmmaker's filmmaker. Like he, mm-hmm. nobody makes films anymore for, I guess like IMAX. Very rarely are the directors use IMAX cameras, but then in film yeah, is even rarer. And they, it, they have it for like, I think Inception. Yeah. And like his other movies like Interstellar. 
Yeah, probably. They, they exist. I've seen reels of them. They're nowhere near as big as the Oppenheimer print, but yeah. he's done it before. I don't know if he did it for the openings because I don't remember that far back. I don't think I saw Inception in theaters. No. I, I didn't, but I don't know. Maybe he did, but all I know is he, yeah, you're right. He's the one that like does that. He's like, oh yeah, like I've seen like an interview. He's like, he's like, film is the greatest immersion. Yeah. Like he's, he's very you. well-spoken. It's very yeah. interesting. Um, But yeah, it's, it feels like this is one of the last, I guess, movies we'll get in film for a while because everything is just moving to digital. It's been digital for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, in, in 10 to 20 years, like when he's probably retired or unless he's still making like movies old as hell, which would be cool. I don't really see any other director making a movie like this with film. Yeah, I think Tarantino's done it. Yeah, I think he seems like he one of the seems like he's be one of the people a champion for film like that. Um, but I hope there are more people that you know still do it because I understand that it's probably cheaper to yeah, do digital. That's probably the main reason why it's more convenient, cheaper. Um, but I mean, like if you go the extra mile, take a little bit more effort. But I mean, more effort usually yields a better product. Off, off, yeah, for yeah. sure. So, but anyway, that's my story. As of now, I that I was gonna go August first to see it a third time and actually in seventy mm IMAX. But the day I was the day we were driving back, I found out that morning that they had extended it again, like for the first time. They extended it again okay. to the end of August. So I was like, if I can find better seats, and I asked asked my girlfriend, like, would you want to go on a later date? Like, so I, we can get like way better seats. Yeah. And we we're pretty much sitting like four from the back in the center, like perfect Ooh, seats. Good. So like I'm, I'm a good excited. distance from the screen. We're going this Friday as we're filming. Nice, bro. So I got two days from now. Hell yeah. I'm excited. I do want to see it a third time. I will say when I went to go see it for the second time in IMAX 70 mil, um, for everyone that's, I guess, crazy about it, they AMC announced that they were going to give away film strips. They did. On certain dates. I think it was the 21st, the 28th, and the August 4th, which was the day I went. Did you get it? I didn't get a film strip roll. Damn. When I got there, my mom, I went with my parents. My mom like showed them the ticket. They're like, where do we get our souvenir film strip? My strip? We were at the later showing. There was three showings that day in IMAX uh-huh. 70 mil. We were at the last one at like 6.30. Okay. And so we asked them, like, yo, like, wh- do we get our film strip here or where do we get it? And the girl was like, oh, we already passed them all out like that <laughs> earlier that day. Right. You know what? And like... I don't want to be salty, but <laughs> that kind of sucks because like that's why I went that day to get the film strip. I could have seen uh, it any other day. That's true. You could have. But I didn't even know it was a certain day thing. I thought that was every showing. Yeah. That. It's dumb that they just had a limited supply and just gave it out to the first showing. You would assume that they would for the days that they're showing it. Like they're like, these are the days. Yeah. You can get, get enough that fits the theater and then times it by three. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Just count the seats, multiply by three. That's how many we need that day. Yeah. But I don't know. My mom was irritated. But I was like, I was like, whatever. I was like, honestly, seeing this in IMAX 70 mil is the real gift. Hey, um, I got one of those strips. I should have brought it, actually. Yeah, you should have brought it yeah, and I, given it to that's me. Because <laughs> I've it's, actually... It's sitting on my desk. Yeah, what's crazy is I didn't even see it in 70 millimeter. They, and you still got it? Yeah, they gave it to us. They, they probably were, felt bad. Dude, I... Well, that, I went on the 21st, though. I was thinking, I was like, I could see an AMC employee just taking a handful and I probably am selling them. Because I've already seen them on eBay for like 50 bucks. Yeah, I, I was. I saw the same thing. And I don't like that. That shit when people just uh, what is it called? Uh, scalp price, yeah, scalpers. Price. It's a film strip. Like yeah. you don't even care about the. I don't know. Whatever. I yeah. don't. Wanna, I, don't I, I mean, it. I got two. I got one for me and one for Carla. They gave us. That's one cool. For both of us. Yeah, it's it's like stills of the film, right? Like yeah, different it's shots. pretty cool. And I think um, each week it's different. 
Oh, really? Each Actually, that is true, because when I went on eBay, I saw some nerds that had every single week, like, with the different pictures. They were like, we got week one, like, this week and this one. We have all the different, like, shots on the film strip. So they were charging, like, 200 bucks for all three. Yeah, yeah it's That's wild. crazy. You could have just got it for free. <laughs> I don't know. I messaged, like, the customer service. I would have, too. And I was like, hey, like, I didn't get it this day. Do you think, like, I have my tickets? If I show it to you, could you just, like, I don't know, give me one or something? Because I'm sure they can make more. Have, have they wrote back? No, they haven't. I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they do fix that because I feel like that's yeah they should fix that. That was a very big thing that would get someone to. I mean, I went to the theater that day to get it. Yeah, and exactly. I still saw the movie. No problems, no interruptions. It started maybe like ten or fifteen minutes late, okay. but there was no, no there was trailers, nothing that right? happened. Yeah, there was no trailers because the film literally is the max. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's the max. <laughs> I'm I'm low key kind of scared that my shit gets fucked again, cause like knowing my luck, bro, <laughs> I just know I'll go in there like, oh, bro, something's going up, bro. Like, yeah. Oh, if that happens, I'm not watching it again in digital. I'm gonna say, yo, give me showing, give me like tickets to like one of the, cause they just extended it again, mm-hmm. and I I did briefly look at those, and they're not as sold out. It's cause like all the big film heads have seen yeah, it, the like, cinephiles. Yeah, the cinephiles have seen it already, so. These next couple weeks, if y'all are close to one, I would say try and go and absolutely IMAX before it like ends its run. It got absolutely. extended to the end of the month. I briefly looked at them like for the twenty second and like onward. You know, um, they're all very good seats. For yeah. some reason, there was one where it was there was only like one seat bought in the center. Like he got a really good seat, but then somebody had bought like in the front, like right. And I was like, why they buy the front right? Like they're Fucking not even psycho. Front middle. Yeah, I don't know these dudes. Weirdo. <laughs> But anyway, that's my story. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, it's was... it sucks. I mean, I thought AMC would have their shit together. Yeah, they weren't ready for the Oppenheimer. I honestly don't. I mean, I thinking on it, I bet you their employees there that never even like new scene film. They're probably like, oh yeah. shit. I heard a lot of these places had to like fly in like film experts like that hadn't like that um, don't work their normal projectionists. And yeah, stuff. exactly. Because they don't know how to set it up. That's crazy. So. I mean, bro, fingers crossed, like, hopefully this Friday, for me, I get to see it. I'll report back afterwards on the next episode. <laughs> if um, you've seen it. Yeah, I'll let you know if they fixed it or not. Yeah, I think you should definitely go see it. It um, It's great, dude. Yeah. Anyway, that's not even the non-spoiler. What I know, yeah. <laughs> that is just getting to the theater, like, yeah, your experience. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. What can you say non-spoilers? I mean... <laughs> this happened in real life. Yeah, so this is history. Yeah, you could do this. Could be spoiled for yeah. you if you know. If y'all didn't stuff. know, Nagasaki and Hiroshima got bombed. Nah, you spoiled. I'm sorry, it, our our one listener in Japan is like. What? Yeah. Um. So okay, non spoilers. I, the first time I saw this movie, I was very. I don't know, man. I, my head was spinning. Okay. The editing in it for the first time was it was so much uh, information and it was so rapid fire because Nolan, he cuts up the film from different perspectives and it kind of just jumps back and forth. And it's I don't know if you've ever seen The Social Network. I have not. It is very similar to this one. It takes place with like our main character, Mark Zuckerberg, and he's in a he's in a court and he's at a trial hearing. Mm-hmm. And so they're asking him about these things about his life. And it just cuts back to like his perspective and stuff. Mm, okay. And that is mainly where the film of Oppenheimer is told. It's all, I actually didn't know this, but the script is entirely from Oppenheimer's like it's first person. Yeah. The, the, yeah, I heard about that. The screenplay is written in first person and they actually are selling it on 
on Amazon. I saw one of my friends already has the book of it. Oh, it's cool. Wait, like the book it's based on or the screenplay? Oh, the screenplay. Oh, it's yeah, a book. that's cool. Yeah. Hey, bro, you got you got a cop. Um, but yeah, the film was great. I think the cinematography was, it was probably some of the best like I've seen all year. Um, mm-hmm. and the cinematographer, I, I don't know other names or movies he's worked on, but his name is Hoyt Van Hoytema. Mm-hmm. I okay. think he may have worked on Blade Runner. Um, and maybe, maybe on Midsommar, like with Ari Aster. This dude's in everything. And he's locked in. But the cinematography, it was great. Um, after seeing it for a second time, I can appreciate how it was edited because I had so much more context and yeah, I could get a second listen at what the characters were saying. Cause I, I was going to say, I 100% think this is a movie that goes even harder the second time. Yeah. Like I've I've heard it from three different people now. Yeah. Because Carla, when we first saw it, she was gonna give it like a seven. Okay. She was like, I mean, I liked it. She's like, it was clearly a well made like film. She's like, but I just found it so hard to follow. Yeah. But after like knowing where it goes, how the story is told, like you know, if like you said, with the jumping, the time, and the perspectives, knowing all that, when we saw it a second time with my parents, um. She was like, oh, my God, like this time, like I thought it was so much better. Like I knew where it was going. I understood it. Yeah. And she's like, it honestly, for me, is like a perfect movie. She gave it like a five out of five. Damn. And she okay. was like, yeah, like this went so hard, like with the second watch. And then another one of my friends, when they first saw it, they they thought it was like a four out of five. Like They're like, yeah, it was fun. But like, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of hard to follow. They saw it a second time. They gave it a five out of five. They were like, bro, this shit went so hard. Like, I was nice. able to understand it. So, yeah. And I agree. I was I mean, I liked it from the beginning. But I do think seeing it a second time, I understood it a little bit more and yeah. I had a better understanding it goes of it. Hard. It does. It really does. I think if you're going to see this, see it once. And then I don't know about, I know some people, they tie it on funds. You can't go twice, but yeah. you wait for streaming, yeah. see it a second time. And I think it'll probably go even harder. But yeah, I, I 100% think this is one of those movies that benefits from a second watch. Yeah. This is. um. I think this is the first time we've both seen a movie twice before the review. Oh, yeah, might and for be. this being a three-hour movie, like you really do gotta. If yeah. I maybe came out of the theater off of first watch, I probably would have like ripped this film a bit for like the editing and been like, oh, I couldn't have understood it. You but, did actually rip into it a little bit in your letterbox review. Yeah. On the, I think, did you post it two reviews or just one? I posted two when I saw it in seventy mil, and I was like, "You're right." I, I was like, "This is five star." But my yeah. first review, I the think, first you gave it like a four or a four and a half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I talked about like how it was edited and like for anyone that, that goes into Oppenheimer with like, like no historical context or anything, it would be kind of hard to follow. I, I do agree with that. So I, I th- but I think a second fit, a second watch actually kind of helps you out because you, you don't, I don't think you necessarily need to know the history to understand it. No. Like for example, like there's some people that didn't even know who Oppenheimer was. They're like what? Yeah, they're like I thought. They're like I thought. Bro, they didn't take history. Dude. Yeah, they didn't. Like Carla didn't know who Oppenheimer was. I was like, brother, you don't know. Like I, I, I knew of him. I'm not <laughs> gonna. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not gonna act like I knew like the whole story and all that. Okay. But I, I definitely knew the name. I, I remember hearing that like you know the people that worked on the Manhattan Project and all that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, one thing that I want to talk about before we get into spoilers, um, I get out of the non-spoiler section is, uh, Christopher Nolan use practical effects to recreate the bomb yeah this I mean, has no cgi um i don't know if that's involving like like cleanup you know how they kind of clean up like like certain shots mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. but if he claims it has zero cg then that's incredible dude if, yeah i did see that claim and i saw there was a debate on twitter because 
I think somebody else, like multiple people were like, bro, he's dumb. Like this is this and all that. And they were, they were claiming all this stuff. Um, I think what he meant, I think somebody misspoke or misquoted them. Misquoted. Yeah. Because a lot of people say VFX, that's just short for visual effects. Yeah. And visual effects aren't all CG. No. Visual effects can be literally like putting makeup on, putting like practical yeah. stuff on. That's a visual effect. Um, so there is a lot of VFX in this. It's all practical though, from what I've heard. He if he's came in, there's no CG, which I, I would imagine there's touch ups in the sense of like color correction, because there always is in yeah. movies. Um but if that's the case, like that's still astonishing. Like watching this movie, there are some shots in this that I'm just waiting for a director commentary or a behind the scenes thing yeah. where he talks about how they got that. Like there's some shots like within the first like five minutes that you see yeah. when, when Oppenheimer is just kind of like daydreaming about stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that looks, that literally looks like a CG shot. Yes. Like I, like how is that film? Like I'm yeah. just, I'm sure he used like, miniatures miniatures or like lights reflecting things like stop I, I motion something there's there was definitely a lot of camera tricks used for yeah. a lot of this which i i appreciate yeah it is really impressive um yeah like you said early on there's a part in this movie which this isn't really spoilers where oppenheimer is um like you said theorizing and thinking about uh physics and it is really cool i saw one behind the scenes where they I think they had marbles or something and mm-hmm. they had them like tied to strings and that's how they got that. It kind of looks like an atom that's like, Oh, like I spinning, see. And you know, and they like, what did they use? Like, uh, yeah. I yeah. Yeah. I and, um, I forget his name, dude. Um, but Christopher Nolan's special effects director, he, he was saying like every day it was kind of like a new task because Nolan came to him and was like, I don't want any CG in this. And so he had to sit down and think, how am I going to show, what it looks like to be in like a physicist's mind with just using like practical practical effects. I think it, it definitely looks really cool. It um, is really cool. And it makes it there's just something different about when you're looking at something on camera that you can tell is happening and it's real. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this where it's like tangible. Yeah. As opposed to if they could have just like computer generated like a I don't know. Like a, a bomb <laughs> inside of his head. They could have just literally put a computer designed yeah. atom. And it honestly probably would have just looked as good or even better. But I think when it's when it's actually physical and knowing now that that was not CG at all is like it's it's incredible. It's breathtaking. I agree. It's it's wild. Um, the music, you, the music oh in my this. God, yeah, the the score um, is really good. Yeah, we didn't talk about this way more in spoilers, but yeah, uh, Ludwig Garrison. He worked with. Um, Nolan, I think, in, in Dunkirk I and in Tenet. In Tenet, too. Yeah. yeah. And he's also worked on other movies. He works on uh, Black Panther. Forever. Yeah, Black Panther. Um, And I think at first when I heard that Nolan was kind of like not stopping his partnership with Hans Zimmer, but they were going to, I guess, work with other people. I was mm-hmm. like, damn, like I really like Hans Zimmer, like Interstellar, Inception. Those scores go hard. Oh, yeah, they do. But... But this one, I think that Ludwig Garrison has done like his absolute best work and it shows that he can stand on his own. Yeah, this um, one did go really crazy. There's so much. I've literally been listening to like the musical, the soundtrack, like just when I'm driving and shit. I, I've put it on too. I um, have some of them in my liked songs. Yeah, but he did really great in this. Some of my favorite tracks, um, I mean, I don't think it matters if you don't know the names, but Can You Hear the Music <laughs> is really good. Mm-hmm. That's very early on. Um, 
there is there's a song called Ground Zero, and that actually mm-hmm. happens during the Trinity test, which we'll talk about later. Okay, okay. And I really like that song because Ludwig Garrison he he composed it, and he also put in like sound effects of a Geiger counter, oh, which yeah. I think was really yes. cool to add tension. Um, and then there's the trial. That's another song that comes on. And then the very last one, Destroyer of Worlds, which is like it happens during the last shot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Those are some of my favorite tracks on there. And I, I think, agree. dude, the score is so good. And I think when I saw it the second time, I really, really paid attention to the music. Cause like early on, I think a character literally says, he's like, he's like, can you hear the music? Oh, yeah. I think there's a track called that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that's like being memed the fuck out of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the music is incredible, dude. I, I can't wait to see what Ludwig Garrison does next. And I hope whatever Nolan, uh, his next project is i hope they work together again yeah i agree i think this is the one where he really kind of he he not that he was not like bad before or anything like he's yeah. really good in yeah. black panther the black panther scores are like actually really good yeah like, the second sick. one for sure too yeah i yeah. loved how the sirens were like oh my god yeah. where that that one song that comes on and you don't even know that it's like music mm-hmm. you're like what the fuck and um i i really i do like the score in tenet but i ain't gonna lie, i i just 100 percent think that sound mixing is just too Dude. loud in that movie actually let's talk about that while it's non-spoilers um finish what you're saying and then we can talk about like the i guess the volume of it okay um oh yeah that's something we could talk about i was just gonna say tenet i i know i think it's his lowest rated movie um i've seen tenet two times i've seen it once you i should have seen it you need to see it twice. i should have seen it twice bro because that one 100 percent. like it's it's so hard to follow yeah literally shit is like happening in reverse. There's actually a cool scene in that where it's a scene that's happening in reverse and we see it from another character's perspective. Mm-hmm. And like to him, he's doing everything forwards. It's yeah. so cool. It's when he's, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. It's and that movie's really cool. Sh- um, but you, it needs a, it needs a second watch. And I, I don't like to say this cause I, I like to watch movies the way they were intended. Yeah. And sadly for the people that I guess are hearing impaired or whatever, most of the time it's not intended with subtitles. Yeah. For me, I, I I don't I like to not watch things with subtitles because a lot of times it blocks off the screen. Yeah. And it kind of like takes away from like the shot. A lot of times like if I'm looking at like a shot that's supposed to be uh cinematic and then it just says like suspenseful music at the yeah. bottom or something like that, I'm just like probably get this shit off the off the screen. Maybe maybe movies should have like subtitles but not audio description. Oh, but I don't know, like But that I, makes it inaccessible. Well, I yeah, exactly, and I think it's fine to have them. I'm not saying get rid of them. Yeah. If if you need them, like I get it. They, sh- I do think they do have showings that have subtitles. Like they have those for people that need that. Um, but I like to like watch it as intended. Uh, what I was gonna say though is Tenant is the one exception. I just I think that movie is mixed terribly yeah i think it's so fucking loud it's ridiculous i can't there are scenes where this the score is blaring and my and i legitimately cannot tell what they are saying yeah like i just cannot i agree and uh that's why i that's actually why i watched this second time i didn't watch it a second time to understand the plot more i watched it because i missed like 80 percent. you watched it with subtitles i did i turned on the subtitles and i watched (laughs) it and i was like holy shit like that makes sense now like bruh it was Oh my god, it was so much better with subtitles on. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I had only seen Tenet once, and I was kind of worried going into Oppenheimer because I was like, dude, this movie's based on like an atomic bomb. Yeah. I was like, I hope the sound mixing isn't as bad as Tenet was because Tenet, <laughs> there's a, there's literally a scene where they're having a conversation about 
the machine and what it does. And like, I could not understand anything, bro. And when you're watching <laughs> Nolan, like, of course, seeing it a second time adds so much more context. But for the first time, like I got out of that movie with my mom and I was like, we need to see that again. I was like, I, I missed so much dialogue and stuff. I agree. But I can confidently say with Oppenheimer, that problem doesn't happen. I think the sound is mixed well. I think it's also because the music isn't as synthy as as uh, as Tenet was. That's true. It, yeah. It's all kind of based off of like a violin and that kind of carries the score. Um, and I don't think there's any... Are drums percussion? Yeah. There's no drums or like percussion or anything besides like the the stomping of the feet that we hear a couple Ooh, of times throughout that, that, the movie. That's a... That scene, oh my god! Yeah, that was so good. We can talk yeah, about that. Um, I, yeah, th- this movie was memed a lot before going into uh, going into people were like, <laughs> "Is bro, this non spoilers like, memed?" I mean, <laughs> I guess it is. <laughs> well, it was because leading were, up to the movie, there were people talking about how they're like, "Oh, this is me like watching Oppenheimer like when the whenever the bomb goes off and it was yeah. just like a loud ass explosion like <laughs> fire, like people thought he dropped a real bomb, <laughs> <laughs> dropped the bomb, and um, but yeah, man, um. I, I, I was worried too. I thought it was gonna be and it is loud. I will say that. Oh yeah. Like this but the sound I actually think the sound mixing it's a hundred percent gonna get nominated for an award. The sound mixing in this is absolutely insane. And it's not I could hear the dialogue as well with the score, so that's yeah amazing. And then watching it a second time, I it's not like I could just hear what they were saying, I could understand it. I was like yeah. I was like, Oh, this is what that means. When I first oh, we could talk about this in spoilers, but there's a scene where um casey affleck comes up mm-hmm. and i think it's the only scene that he's in when oh, i wait. saw it for the first time i didn't know exactly pick up on what was happening but like after watching it again i was like oh i was like i was like damn like that that shit was scary dude i think i know what you're talking about and yeah. i think i'm ready to get in spoilers i think okay i think we've touched on most yeah things with we've that. talked about we've talked about movie news we talked about yeah. our theater experience i'm sorry that that happened to you that oh god i dude. i thought that you were going to tell me the projector went out and you had to wait. But that is that story is even worse. Yeah, I bro. didn't get to see it. Like they reef, they pretty much fucked you over. Yeah. Like if if I didn't live here, if I was one of those people that flew in yeah. or drove. What if you drove from Dallas or something, bro? Yeah, I think there is one in Dallas. Actually, there's another oh, really? there's another IMAX 70 millimeter okay. screen. Yeah. But um, no. Yeah. These guys said they drew, they lived on the border of uh Texas and the, Arkansas. That you were gonna say the Mexico port. I was like, damn, bro, they came from like Brownsville, <laughs> like El Paso. Imagine driving from El Paso, bro. That's oh, like a man. seven hour drive. Yeah, they said it was like a five and a half, six hour drive. So damn. like, yeah, it's. Th- I mean, if that was me, I'd a hundred percent. I would need some sort of compensation. I would have offered them. I would have been like, come stay with me. <laughs> we shall see Oppenheimer together. I w- see what I would have said is I'd be like, yo, I don't give a shit. Like, how late y'all gotta work here? You guys are going to show that movie. Once this shit's fixed, you're showing it again. Add another showing tonight for all the people <laughs> that got that fucked over. Once that shit's fixed. Once it's fixed. Because like, let's say there was w- the last show in the day is at 6 or 7. Yeah. Like, I would be like, nah, bro. You're showing another one at 9 or 10. I don't give a fuck how late I got to stay. You guys are adding a showtime for all the people that didn't get to see it. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be mad. I don't know what they did. I hope eventually they got to see it. I, I don't know what they're going to do. But I know. If, if y'all are somehow listening, man, I feel for y'all. That's <laughs> yeah. horrible. To- I mean, apparently it's pretty... It's happened to a lot of people. Yeah. I've seen not a couple just our clips. theater, right? Yeah, not just ours. I've seen people online talking about how like either the I saw one where they said half the screen was like pink. For what? some reason, like discolored pink. And then the other one, and they made a meme about it saying, like, I truly got the Barbenheimer experience. <laughs> and um 
some people said like the sound cut off or the sound was out of sync with the film. Oh, geez. And, like just so many things like that that are just like, yeah, if that I actually think I would rather wait than to see it out of sync. Yeah, I that's no so irritating, dude. You saying all this now, it makes me feel very grateful because my like I said, my screening was not there was no sound interruptions. Maybe it started like a little late, um, but there was like no audio like getting fucked up there was no screen like flicker mm-hmm. like it was a smooth experience and i think that's why seeing it the second time i was like dude like this like it's an experience it's a three-hour yeah. movie you sit down you don't move for three hours maybe <laughs> i actually didn't get up during the second screening as you shouldn't I, I wanted to get up and get a drink and i came i like left oh, the bar because i was like bro the shit ain't still like started yet <laughs> so i i went to the bar and i was trying to order like a drink but like some lady was tweaking <laughs> and so I went back. I was like, "Fuck this! It's not worth the wait." I agree. And I came back, and like this, the movie had already started, and it like lit up the whole. Like damn. it's crazy. It's wild when you sit down to see an IMAX movie, and you're like, "Damn! Like this is a big screen." Oh yeah, and I, even more when it turns on. Yeah, and I you're think. Like, oh wow! When you watch IMAX movies, it, it has more vertical space, and I think it's mm-hmm. like forty. You can see forty percent more picture. Yeah, so that's almost like twice the amount of fo- like picture, bro. That's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, I can't wait to see it in two days. Hope I'm just crossing my fingers. Yeah, hopefully no, it's dude, shit up again. you'll be good, bro. All right, Nick, that brings us to spoilers. Yeah, I think I'm ready to talk spoilers now. I mean, we've what, talked. What can we spoil, Nick? I mean, you can say that this is history, but for anyone that hasn't yeah. seen or is like familiar, <laughs> thinking like, wait, what? That is true. Yeah, Oppenheimer died. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, okay, well, one thing. I mean, how 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 far can we even get in spoilers? I mean, oh, so we're getting straight. I mean, I'm ready to get explorers. I feel like, yeah. Right. I mean, anyone that's watching, this is in black and white now. That's true. Yeah. This is all. And if uh, you're listening, it sounds exactly yeah. the same. Also, I didn't mention this when we first started, but we've been drinking on a, we've been drinking on a cocktail. Actually, I don't want to say what it is. I want you to guess what it is. Okay, let me take another sip. Well, I mean, there's a cherry in it. Okay. So, it's it's like a very popular cocktail. Really. You can go into a bar and just be like, yeah, like give me this. Is this an old fashioned? No. You're trying it like it'll. It's very. It's prevalent to the movie. Think about it. Is this an Oppenheimer? No, I'm kidding. Nah. <laughs> it's a. Um, it's a Sloppenheimer. <laughs> um, well, there's definitely like whiskey or bourbon in this. Yeah, it's it a, has bourbon. And there's a cherry. It has a vermouth too. Vermouth. What's that? It's like a liquor, but it's like sweet. Mm, okay. Okay. What's it called? It's a Manhattan. Ah, that makes sense. Okay. It's very on theme. Well, it's better than the, the drinks you mixed for the holiday <laughs> episode a couple years back. Dude, I wish we had a video of me preparing this, but I my dad has a cocktail book, <laughs> so I just followed it to the T, and it's mm. this is supposed to be a perfect Manhattan. Well, it, I mean, it tastes better. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's better than anything else you've made. Dude, the other thing, I mean, you should have looked something up for that, bro. I could tell you just guessed with that one. That, Damn. Excuse me. That was... Dude, said... <coughs> You said, yeah, it's good. Seven said, <laughs> it's strong. <laughs> I think that drink that we had for that holiday special was straight up eggnog in, in, in Crown Royale. It wasn't even brandy? You should it have put brandy have been, in it. No, I don't think, I think you're right. Good. It was Crown Royale. I don't know, man. Milk and alcohol just doesn't seem to go together, bro. I mean, it can. If like you, a white Russian. If you use a sweet liqueur or a sweeter alcohol. Yeah. Like Bailey's. Okay. Bailey's and like. Something I could see that work. You should have mixed the eggnog with Bailey's, or if you really had to use brown liquor, brandy, because brandy is a sweeter one. It still would have been harder, but it still has a hint of sweetness. 
Okay. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about this. <laughs> I just wanted to flex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cocktail, but um, yeah. So if anyone is listening, we're, tra- we're getting into spoiler territory. Yeah. So Oppenheimer has sex in this. Yeah, that's uh, um, that's the. That's, that's like the, the only thing you could spoil. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, honestly. Um, but dude, no, he, he, he catches the Sloppenheimer. <laughs> um, <laughs> it actually no, but what's crazy is it actually partly comes into play in the era does come into play in the actual plot like okay. um well I, actually i want to talk to you about it because in your in your review where the only nitpick you had with this yeah was with the sex scene correct yes you want to you want to go into that a little bit i yeah. wanted to see what, what your i so when i detail. first saw it of course my mind is like man this editing's all over the place okay and now we have this very like auteur i felt like a miss placed like sex scene mm, okay. and the scene Oppenheimer is getting getting interrogated you know this whole thing it jumps between Louis Strauss's trial hearing and Oppenheimer having like a private like court hearing in front of like a board and this do you have glasses <laughs> Josh just pulled glasses out of his out of his Bro, jacket I kept bumping something hard and I was like what the hell is this and I found some sunglasses that I've been looking for like before Rockport. <laughs> I went to Rockport and I was like, where the fuck are my were, like knockoff aviators? They were in the jacket. They were in this thing, bro. That's what crazy. Anyway, continue, um, Nick. Yeah, so the movie, it bounces between Oppenheimer's like court hearing and Strauss's court hearing. And they're both trying to get their security clearance for to oversee like future projects of, of weapons of mass destruction. But mm-hmm. the sex scene, I felt like it was out of place just because of like... It just took me out of it. Oppenheimer's there getting interrogated, and they're asking him about his connections to uh, Gene Tadlock, which is Florence Pugh's character. So wait, you're saying so not the you're not talking about the first sex scene? No, I'm talking about talking about the one where it's like he's in the courtroom, yeah, and Kitty's like looking. And she's just like riding my boy, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you thought that one was? I thought that felt very like awkward and out of place okay on the second rewatch it kind of hit different i was like oh i was like you know gene like gene and oppenheimer like they had this thing before he got married um but uh, of course his wife still thinks this probably like kills her inside yeah i i think it's supposed to be like i mean obviously i think it's supposed to be like from kitty his wife yeah like she's like looking at him and when they're talking about that all she can see is like him with her. Yeah. So like I, that's I think it's a, it is very like visually like in your face and like yeah. Jesus like, uh I th- I'm pretty sure you can see my boy Killian Murphy's nuts in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> like that was an Oppenheimer's yeah, perspective. They weren't asking him about like, Gene yeah. and he was like, yeah, I laid the pipe. Like, <laughs> but I don't know that seeing it the second time I was like, okay, whatever. It's a very brief scene and a a very longer, much bigger story. Mm-hmm. But when I first saw it. It kind of took me out of it just because I even thought I was like, man, that must have been awkward to film. But I was like, anyways, and then I had to get back locked in. But OK, yeah, I can see. yeah, to me, I I don't can really even recall a sex scene that that Nolan has directed in his past movies. Yeah, I was going to say I don't that was maybe his. I've seen all of Nolan's movies except the following, which is his first one. I and haven't then, seen the prestige and then insomnia. You haven't. I've been waiting to see the prestige. Dude, the prestige is so good. I bro. wanted to see it on my birthday. It's so good, but it was not any streaming. So then I was like, 
It's not on streaming. I saw it on streaming. Maybe it was, but it's not no more. I think it was on Max, but it's no Probably. longer. I think I saw it. So I'm there. waiting for it to come back because I didn't want to rent it. The Prestige it. is so good. Yeah, it's, I've been waiting. It's really well put together. Um, oh, I want to see Memento also. I haven't seen Memento it. is re- very good. Mm. That is also... I think that's... It's another movie where Nolan used black, uses black and white to tell two different storylines, um, but it's all about the same character. Okay, so okay. that'd be interesting to see your take on that because... It's not the first time he's used black and white in movies. It's very familiar, but in this one, um, Nolan said that everything in color was mm-hmm. was, oh, dude. Was it subjective? I think what it is, yeah, everything in color is like subjective. It's like, it's like a dramatic or a, a dramatization of Oppenheimer's story. Yeah, like through his perspective, whereas things in black and white are objective. Okay, like it's like these are public fact. This is what happened. Yeah. So that's why, yeah, that that makes sense. That is what it is. Yeah, and, and this is, it's also based on a book, American Prometheus, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which this is actually some fun trivia. So uh, Robert Pattinson, he was in oh, Tenet. Yeah. He, our Batman, you know, Robert Batten Bat. I love this guy. <laughs> He's a great actor, dude. He is. I actually just rewatched the Batman on my birthday. Yeah, dude, I've seen that movie <laughs> five times. I go to log it on Letterboxd, it's like watched. Yeah, like, I think that might be my most watched. It's probably now. my most watched movie in the past. Dude, I've seen the Batman. It came out last year, right? I've seen it year. in like four it. or five times in the past year and a half. I think I have. Seen it's it. so good. It is really good. It, I, is. it irks me when people shit on it, and I think they're just shitting on it to shit on it. That's all Twitter is now. Yeah. I, I actually... Yeah, fuck Twitter. Twitter has ruined people being fans. Oh, no, it's fans. not Twitter. It's X. Nah, we call it, <laughs> we call it Twitter. Actually, I want... I Part of me has wanted to... Because there's sometimes when I'm on Twitter on my own personal account yeah. and I just see some whack ass takes yeah. and I'm like, man, I want to shit on this. But I'm like, oh, but this is like my personal account. Yeah, I've and used part of me has been wanting to use our cosmic kickback. You should. I, sh- I want to like go on it and then put like a movie take and like be like, this is yeah. dumb or something. But like, obviously, I'm not going to go crazy across the line, like <laughs> talking shit online. But from our like cosmic, the podcast account. But I do want to reply to them sometimes yeah so i feel like i'm gonna do that at some point next time i see one that's wild just log on bro just use i've it. seen people it's say the like burner account yeah it is it's the burner. <laughs> i've seen people use uh or say like for example i know we're going off the rails but um i've seen people say guardians 3 is like dog shit like they're like man they're like everything post end game is ass which you know i debatably yeah there are some there are definitely things that aren't that good mm-hmm. but bro we got Guardians three, we got No Way Home, like we have we have Loki, yeah, we, we've got things that are like very good, stellar. Yeah. You can tell that people put like care and thought behind it, yeah, and to just be like, ah, oh, that shit. Like, and, but it's not even that. Like, they say wild things. Like, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Like, they'll they'll make a comparison, and it's usually to like Zack Snyder. Yeah, and they're just like, <laughs> they're like, man, this is this just doesn't even touch Snyder. Like, oh, I don't I just, like that because how are you going to compare? <laughs> it's, like, it's not that I don't like Snyder either. It's because it's James Gunn and he's in charge of DC now. Yeah. So they all, all the Snyder heads. People are immediately salty. They're like, man, fuck Gunn. He killed, he killed yeah. the Snyderverse. <laughs> Jeez. Actually, I, I, I were you going to bring up the Snyder Cut episode we have? We do have. Wait, oh, wait, we never dropped it. Yeah. We have a, a review. Oh, we have a review of, dude, we filmed that in like 21. When it came out, yeah. Yeah. We were hype. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to happen. No, yeah. When they announced it, I was like, yo. I don't want to reshoot it because I want to get our reaction. Those those are the, that reactions. Was, yeah. It was a good review. It was maybe it was. like an hour or over an hour. We basically, when the Snyder Cut first came out, we reviewed it and 
we uh, leading up to it, we were rewatching all. Yeah, the we DC watched all the DC. And we had reviews for all them of those all episodes out. that year. And then we were gonna end it with that one. And I think the file got corrupted or something. The footage for it did. The footage. Did. So we have audio. Yeah. Honestly, who cares about the footage? We might just have to do one of those episodes where it's like just shots from the film. We should release it as like a bonus episode before. Uh, what's the last movie? DCU movie that comes Aquaman? out. Aquaman. Hey, bro, Blue Beetle's about to come out. I heard that got pushed back. Did it get pushed back? Aquaman. Dude, oh. Aquaman, Craven, Spider, oh, Spider Verse got pushed back a lot. Venom 3, I think, even got pushed back. I'm not surprised. But yeah, who cares about but that? Blue Beetle's about to come out. Yeah, so we could drop Snyder Cut. We could. We could drop it this we could, year. We could this do is, it right before Blue Beetle. Yeah. Or after. It'd be I don't poetic. Know. Anyway, um, what was I going to say with Oppenheimer, bro? What, what got us on that tangent? <laughs> What were we talking how, how about? How did before? we go? How did we get to DC, dude? We were talking about Twitter. Well, you were, yeah, we were talking about Twitter, and you were uh-huh. talking about how people have ass takes. Uh huh. What was the ass take we were talking about? I mean, you were saying <laughs> that people online were like, they were shitting on something, but I don't know how we got. People to that. just bash on movies to bash on it, I guess. Yeah. I I said I, that people. Well, I said that Twitter has ruined people being a fan of movies. I think because everyone's has. got their own take. What I was gonna say, I. Like just going back and just forgetting that tangent. Um, <laughs> you so I actually have a similar gr- gripe with Oppenheimer with the sex scene. Okay. So, but mine's different. That's why I wanted to talk about. You didn't it with think you. it was enough. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted more titties. Yeah. Um, in, no. in in India, it got uh, censored. It it got, I saw it on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh, Florence Pooh," and I was like, "Why is she wearing a dress? Like <laughs> sitting down in a seat?" But yeah. that was edited on top of her because India. Ca- I don't know. I guess that's India. so weird. It was edited for that in India, but I don't know. I would think that Are like Middle Eastern countries would be more. Yeah, uh, I mean, is Oppenheimer's dick still out or his nuts? I don't know. Did I they, wasn't even looking. Him? I noticed them, bro. <laughs> <laughs> those, those well, well, Oppen nuts. I was okay. Let me explain why I was looking. So <laughs> <laughs> explain yourself. <laughs> so leading up to this, there was some someone posted. That there was a 15 minute long sex scene for this movie. I don't know if you saw that online, but people were saying like, yeah, there's a there's a 15 minute long uninterrupted nuts out, dick fl- dick out, like sexy. And I was Dude. like, Jesus. Like, and I was like, Nolan went crazy. And I, I was expecting crazy dick. And <laughs> <laughs> but there isn't. It's it's not there's not much really. No. Um, but what I anyway, this is this was my gripe, and it's not that big of a gripe it's just like i guess personal preference i mean say it though so mine's with the first sex scene yeah um so he meets uh what's her name Ta- gene, gene tadlock yeah let me pull up the cast okay because we'll talk about that in spoilers because if we're going to review yeah. this there i even have a a photo pulled up of the timeline that we can okay. go through so he meets her at a party um and it cuts to them having sex afterwards i guess after they're doing some flirting yeah and like mid stroke she just like hops off yeah and she goes and looks at his books mm-hmm. and i understand that like I, I i understand what the scene's like trying to show but like i thought it was just done kind of oddly so <laughs> my i knew at i knew of oppenheimer previously because i knew about him quoting um from a a book of sanskrit and he quotes from a story that's about I'd seen the clip. There's an actual video of the real Oppenheimer out there talking about it. Yeah, I've seen the clip. as yeah, well. Yeah. And it, uh, I think they actually use the real audio midway through the movie whenever the bomb goes off. Um, but he says, 
uh, now I am become death, destroyer of worlds. And it's a it's a it's a quote from the Sanskrit. And in the movie before before that part happens where the bomb explodes, I actually really like that part. I like how to jump ahead whenever they do the Trinity test and it like is all quiet. And then like right before you hear the sound of the explosion, um, it's all quiet. And he says like now it has I think it's the actual Oppenheimer's voice. I think that part is him. Yeah. And it's the quote where he says that I thought it was just an odd choice. Why like mid pipe was he like, she's like, Oh, read this. And he's like, yeah. And then she's writing him. Now I am become death. That, that did seem very weird. To I me thought it well. was a little odd. I was like, okay, I feel like there could have been other ways to like show the Sanskrit book or whatever. They didn't even really need to do it. Honestly, like yeah. it's, I don't think you needed to show the Sanskrit. You didn't need to show. If you wanted to show that it was quoted from that, there are other ways to do it. Like he could have had the book like in in his like at a, at the school like when he's a professor. One of the other professors comes in and was like, "Oh, what is this? Like, what are you reading?" Yeah. And like he, you know, they could have done it that. You know, they didn't have to do it during the sex scene. I just thought it was an odd choice, and I remember thinking, like, I don't know. I felt like it might have slightly lessened the impact whenever he actually says it later on yeah. before the bomb. Because we hear it twice now yeah, because of that. And I thought if we only heard it once during that like peak moment, it might be better. I don't know. I still think the movie's a five out of five. Yeah. It's not like that big of a gripe to make me be like, nah, bro, this shit's like a four. Yeah. Like, it's just, I guess, personal preference, maybe. Okay. But that was the only thing throughout the whole movie that I really had any sort of grimace with grimace is grimace a word <laughs> yes hey grimace bro from the grimace shit <laughs> we should have we should have tried the grimace we should have done that for the first time we should have made a tiktok with that would have been incredible have you seen the tiktok memes yes we should have made one jesus what we should have done is we should, <laughs> we, we should have this would have taken a lot of cleaning but we should have done one where it's like like welcome back to Cosmic Kickback. It like looks like a normal like episode, and we're like we're trying the Grimace shake, and then we just like try it, and we're just like I ain't that bad, and then like it cuts, and we like moved the couch out to like <laughs> like nowhere, some middle of nowhere place, and then we're just like like <laughs> slunched over the couch. The couch is fucking dirty. It's like floating down a river. We're like. <laughs> <laughs> We should have. I will say, I regret not cashing in on the Grimace hype because it was such a dumb fucking trend, bro. Hey, when will it'll come back? Why is it always McDonald's? They had the Travis Scott shit too. I don't know. We did didn't that they, one. Didn't though. they have a sweetie meal? Yeah, we did do that. There was no meme for that though. Yeah, who cares about sweetie? <laughs> anyway, let's get back to. Oppenheimer. Yeah. Anyways, there's gonna be multiple tangents. Um, That's what makes it the podcast. So talking about Oppenheimer. Let's go through the timeline of everything that happens. Um, okay, Nick, you go in. And I, I would like to point out, when the movie starts out, there's there's two title cards that come up. One of them is Fission. Which, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of them is Fission, which is, it's in black and white. And this is all of Louis Strauss, which is Robert Downey Jr.'s character. Which, by the way, he does an incredible job, dude. Yeah, he, he goes hard. He goes, he hard. goes absolutely hard. Because for the past 10 years, I've seen him... Really, only as Iron Man and a couple of other movies he's been, but it feels like in this movie, not only like physically he looks different, but he he's acting so different. He's trying very hard to put off this character. Um, so Louis Strauss's part of the movie, which is in black and white, is called Fission, 
And the definition of that is it's the act of splitting two properties apart. I remember that from uh, from class, my brother. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even gonna lie. I remember it's in the notes. Wait, I, really? I remember when I watched it. I saw Fission. I was like, Fission. And I was like, Was that when they split? And then I was, yeah. like, but I didn't. I was gonna like lean to Carl and be like, Hey, that's when they split. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like so then, uh, that's when. Yeah, no. but, then, but then I was like, Oh shit, I might be wrong. I don't remember. But well, I, hey, I'm glad. Right. I'm, I'm glad you confirmed it. And then the other part of the movie, which is in color, and this mm-hmm. is Oppenheimer at his uh, security clearance hearing. It's called Fusion. And, of course, that's fusing two two properties or, or matters together. And I think that plays really well in the movie. Um, you know, Oppenheimer and Strauss later be- go from, like, friends to enemies. It's mm. almost like two, ah, two properties trying to be put together in something and, and it eventually causes an explosion. Um, so I really like that. And I think seeing it a second time, that put more context. It hit mm, different. Okay. Um, I, I, I actually, I like that. Yeah. But... Starting off the movie, we were with Oppenheimer. He is at a, a court hearing for a security clearance so he can continue to work on uh, at Los Alamos for projects of, you know, he, he made the bomb and now he wants to oversee future projects to make sure that, I guess, the military and, and the U.S. doesn't make something that they can't handle. Um, so early on in the movie, we... Hold on, let me find my timeline. I'm so sorry. So from 1924 to 1926, this is where Oppenheimer studies physics at Cambridge. Um, And then this is where he meets his professor. Uh, And very early on in the movie, I don't know if you picked up on this. He poisons his apple Mm, and he puts it on his teacher's desk because he's being a dick to him. Mm -hmm. And so he poisons the apple. He goes home. He starts thinking about it and then he's like, oh, fuck. He's like, he's like, I shouldn't have done that. So he runs back to the classroom and he, he has to stop like, I think his name is uh, Niels Bohr. Yeah, he came to like. Yeah, he is also a, he's also a renowned scientist. Mm-hmm. He has his own actual um, unit. It's like it's called a Bohr. I don't know what it's used to measure, but he's like that. He's that renowned of a physicist. They use his last name to be like, yeah, that's a Bohr. But he almost eats the apple. And Oppenheimer like slaps that out of his hand and he's like, oh, uh, like wormhole or whatever. Yeah, there's a wormhole. Yeah. So when that scene happened, the first time I saw it, I was like, damn, I was like, this guy's kind of salty. His teacher's like a dick. (laughs) But the second time I was like, oh, like that's actually incredible foreshadowing for like creating something that could kill somebody. Like it's it's you went from making an apple that was poisoned to kill one person to eventually having a hand and creating a bomb that could kill millions and it's interesting because hey, and it's also called uh, the Manhattan Project and Manhattan is known as the Big Apple yeah oh dude that is a good one I got a thing yo bro, he dropped, you know dropped the mic bro that was good <laughs> that was good I'm telling um, you I also heard that Oppenheimer's I believe grandson um, I he didn't like that scene where his father was portrayed as someone yeah. that tried to poison his teacher he was like that wasn't real that never happened it's in color, so it is subjective. Yeah, I have, but apparently they talk about that in the book, though. Yeah, like everything I guess that people say that Oppenheimer, they claim that Oppenheimer did tell the story. Yeah. So I mean, everything that is in color, I guess, is subjective. But all the stuff that Nolan got from this movie was mainly from this book. Yes. That Robert Pattinson. Oh, I think that's what we didn't finish. That I know. Yeah, we were talking about Robert Pattinson. The camera then, cut out at one point, and so this is before we ended non-spoiler. Do you want to talk about that real quick before we forget? Yeah. So. Robert Pattinson, he gifted Christopher Nolan a copy of American Prometheus, which is it's the biography of J. Robert Oppenheimer and what this is based off of. 
And even in the movie Tenet, they talk about they talk about Oppenheimer and the Manhattan Project, which I think is cool because it kind of foreshadows his next movie. That's pretty cool, yeah. But people are giving credit all to Robert Pattinson, like, oh, he gifted him this book. Uh, Honestly, he's the one that started this. This movie wouldn't have happened without that. Yeah, that's what people are saying. I I completely believe but, that. I mean, people are saying that Christopher Nolan for a very long time was talking with the cast of Tenet and like the people he was working with. He was like, yeah, like I really want to make, you know, an Oppenheimer movie. And so I don't want to give all the credit to Robert Pattinson. It's cool he gave him the book, but I think him giving him the book was like the catalyst that really put him on the path to be like, all right, I'm going to make this movie. Yeah, because like... And I thought that was just an interesting fact. And I think he was... I think they asked him why he wasn't... Why didn't he cast Pattinson in a role? Yeah, he was probably busy. He was, yeah. He said, Come on, I think dude. He's doing the Batman. Yeah. He's doing I, the Batman too. <laughs> he's doing a movie actually with uh, Bong Joon-ho from Parasite. Oh, really? Yeah, it should come out later this year or next year. Damn. But dude's probably busy as hell. Yeah, he's locked in. Yeah. That's what we were talking about. That's what we were talking about. We yeah. talked about Robert Pattinson and then we talked about the Batman and then, That's and then Twitter up. and then yeah. we talked about fucking oh, trolls. Man, there you go. But, but no, yeah. Oh, damn, crazy. All right, Nick, continue your timeline. Um, Yeah, so this when he's at school, uh, Niels Bohr, he tells him, like, you, you know, you really got to, like, listen to the music. And there's listen, a whole sequence that, that happens with the, with the song, Can You Hear the Music? Mm-hmm. And it shows Oppenheimer, you know, he's going to art museums, he's reading books. We see him just there's one shot where he's in his bedroom and you see him like look up into the corner and there's like a visualization of his mind. And it's like it's like an atom mm. or like a it's like a proton. It's something that's how it be when you hear. Yeah. And it's happening. And all of that is practical. And that that whole sequence, dude, like I would go see the movie again just for that minute and a half sequence. That's it's, how it be it's for me. It's so good, bro. When I'm on Fortnite, and like <laughs> I got to clutch up and when you just like. I hear the music and I'm just like, and I'm just like building perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> when you have to build, when you're on zero builds and you have to clutch up. Oh, that's that's, how be, that's the sound that plays. <laughs> but yeah, that's no, but it, that is no, like just side that that I like that shot and that was, yeah. that's one of the shots I was talking about non spoilers. Yeah. When I'm like, oh my god, knowing that that was like done practically, like yeah. is just so interesting. It's and incredible. Like, yeah. Uh, so moving on the timeline now from 26 to 29, this is when Oppen- Oppenheimer meets Heisenberg. And this is when he's studying abroad in um, in Germany. He's at the University of Göttingen, and people were saying that Werner Heisenberg, um, he was a theoretical physicist from German Germany. Um, he eventually became one of the people that led Germany in towards like nuclear power. So bro. he was the person. He was pretty much the Oppenheimer for Germany. Imagine like people they are cast saying, Walter White, bro. Imagine they had Brian Cranston as Heisenberg. Jesse. We need to cook. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of funny his name is Heisenberg. But people are saying that Heisenberg was kind of responsible for the bomb being made in America because he kind of influenced Oppenheimer. Because Oppenheimer looked mm. up to Heisenberg. That's true. And while while Heisenberg wanted Oppenheimer to stay in Germany and be like, hey, let's study, you know, let's study physics. Let's try to make this this let's try to take this like science and really progress it in Germany. Oppenheimer was like, no, I need to go to America because, like, theoretical physics is pretty much, like, non-existent over there. They're not doing it at the scale that we are. Yeah, he wanted to be the one to bring it over. He wanted to be the one to to break it through. Yep. Um, and so from 1929 to 1943, uh, for four years, Oppenheimer, he taught at Berkeley, which is in California. And he is pretty much teaching as an associate professor at Caltech. And this is where we meet one of his friends, Lawrence. Um, this is the guy with the hair and the glasses. Yeah. Um, they become really close friends. Um, 
and he's pretty much teaching students and people there about theoretical physics. And I like the montage that happens. First, Oppenheimer only he ha- he has one student, oh, like yeah. a pupil. And then as the montage goes on, you see his classroom get filled with more and more people as they talk about, you know, theoretical physics and and the science of it all. It's really cool. Um, what did you think of those sequences? I guess kind of like his early life. I actually really liked how they, how they show, uh, they have Killian Murphy look visually different. Like he's, yeah. how old is he? Like 40 something? 44, 45. Yeah. They have him look like a young college student by having his hair kind of grown out a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, obviously when I look at it, if I really look, I'm like, yeah, that's not like a 23 year old. Like, yeah. But I mean, I think it looks good. I think it's like, I like when they, they didn't de-age him um, with digital effects or CGI. Um, I like how they just did like the classic thing of making someone look younger by, you know, making... Giving them dark hair. Giving them darker hair, making longer. it a little bit longer. Yeah. And, and, and if you actually look at actual photos of Oppenheimer from that age, I mean, his hair did look like that. I like how like it progresses and you see him go from the different looks he had. Yeah. I think it looks, I think visually like looks great. I like how, like you said, it goes from like one student he's talking and then he like flips the camera around there's like a full yeah then there's thing. a full I like classroom. that I like how it progresses the story that way um I like how we see um uh Robert Downey Jr's character Strauss introduced or he thinks he's introducing the Einstein yeah and it shows us that shot which we then visit again like three or four times throughout the movie from different perspectives yeah. we could talk about that cuz that that does happen before um I get into the next part of the timeline, which is when he begins his relationship with Gene, and then he later marries Kitty. Oh, uh, so Oppenheimer, he he goes to Princeton, and here he talks to Louis Strauss, which is a renowned, I think he's like a military general. Um, and Einstein is also living on the property of Princeton. And Louis Strauss, when him and Oppenheimer are first talking, um, Strauss is like, oh, you know, I... I always wondered why you didn't involve Einstein on the project of putting the atomic bomb together. You know, he's the greatest scientific mind of our time. Mm. And you can kind of see a bit of Oppenheimer's ego yeah. in his arrogance. He's like, oh, well, he's the greatest scientific mind of his time. He's mm-hmm. like, he, he published his theory, his theory of relativity almost 40 years ago. Yeah. And, and Strauss is like, oh, well, you know, I can introduce you to him. And he's like, oh, no worries. He's like, I already know him. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I that's another thing. I like seeing how... In the early days, Oppenheimer is very arrogant. Yeah, and I, I, I like how as time goes on and like afterwards, you see like how how much of a toll everything takes on him. Yeah, and it literally like switches his his like personality, like his headspace, like pretty much like it's sh- sh- uh, shaking him to his core, and you can like see that. I think you can see it visually, but then yeah. also you see it through his character like changing throughout his life, and you actually like can see that through the arrogance in the early days and how he becomes more level-headed. Yeah, kind of more submissive too, even. Yeah, I agree. Um, And there's also a part of dialogue that I think is important that comes up later in the film. Uh, Strauss and Oppenheimer, they're talking, and I forget what exactly is said, but I think Strauss said that he kind of came from nothing. And and Oppenheimer's like, oh, like you were a, a lowly shoe salesman. Oh, um, yeah, and there's yeah, even yeah. a song called that in in the score and Strauss corrects him. He's like, no, it's just a shoe salesman. Um, and later on in the movie, Strauss repeats what Oppenheimer said to him mm-hmm. and he's he calls himself a lowly shoe salesman. 
and it, 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 you can tell how much that comment like affected him. Yeah, he's still thinking about it. Yeah, he still thinks. You can tell that he really revered the scientists and the physicists. Yeah. And in this movie, you can. It is very clear about who is military, uh, like American government officials. They're all dressed up in uniforms. They have badges and and ranks. The physicists, they wear hats. They wear they wear suits. They look very different. They do. Um, and I thought that was a really cool touch. There's even a scene where Oppenheimer, when he first gets to Los Alamos and they've built it, oh, he's yeah. dressed up as like a general. Mm-hmm. And his friend, he's like, "What the hell are you wearing that like, for?" He's like, doing? "He's like, you're a physicist. Be a physicist. They're gonna need you to lead them." Hey, speaking and then facts. Following that sequence, there's a cool part where he he like gets his hat on. Hey, but he he has a suit up sequence. He's bro. got the pipe. It's like Iron Man, but like yeah. the suit, and he's like, "Yeah, it's even better. It's fucking <laughs> badass." And that yeah. whole scene is in black and white too, which I think is great. Mm. Dude, I love the scene when he's like near the later. It's in a lot of the trailers when he's like walking. He puts like the hat on in slow motion, and they're yeah. like taking pictures. when he's leaving the airport. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was cool. Um, so moving on to our timeline, we've already talked about um, Gene Tadlock, but we can talk about Kitty. Uh, in 1936 to 1940, this is when Oppenheimer begins his relationship with Kitty, and then he quickly cuts it off because he meets Kitty at a party, um, and they eventually fall in love, but Kitty has a husband. So mm. they decide to do, um, I guess, the very, what is the word? They're very professional about it, or very... Um, I can't find the word, but Damn, Nick. Kitty's pregnant, and so they're gonna get Kitty divorced from her husband, and then he's gonna marry Jean, or I'm sorry, he's gonna marry Kitty. Yeah, and they're eventually gonna start a family. And the whole time in the movie, Jean is very, like Oppenheimer will pull up, he'll bring Ki- uh, Jean flowers, and she'll just throw them away, like she doesn't give a shit. But then they still have sex. Yeah, and so it kind of shows like she has a hold on him. Oh, and in true. a way, I don't know. He always comes back, bro. Yeah, dude, simping, bro. Um. But there's a party that Oppenheimer goes to when he first meets Gene and he talks to, I think it was Kitty's husband. His name is like Chevalier or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a very important conversation that happens in the kitchen. Chevalier is talking to Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah. And he's like, um, he's like, oh, you know, I work. He's he's a communist. Yeah. And it's also very important to say that this happens during the era of McCarthyism. Mm-hmm. And so in historically... In the context of that, a lot of people were scared about communists and communism coming to America and kind of dividing and and breaking up and destroying our country. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called the Red Scare. This is when people thought that their friends or neighbors or people they could see every day could be communists. Uh, They could be people from the Soviet Union. And that plays very heavily into, honestly, throughout the whole film, the idea of communism and communist spies being uh, present during the Manhattan Project and taking that information across seas to to russia um and to of course germany who we were at war with in world war ii but chevalier yeah, it's a huge part of the movie yeah chevalier he pretty much tells oppenheimer he's like listen um he's like if you could give me information about what's going on at the manhattan project i could get it to you know our our soviet allies because at this time we weren't at war with russia but he's pretty much saying like give me some information on what's going on with the manhattan project and i can get it through back channels to to russia Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, this this all ties into a scene where where Oppenheimer's asked to give up who, like, were the informants. But I thought that was interesting. The second time I saw it, I picked up more on what was actually yeah, being said. Yeah, that's the part when he says when he's being interviewed because it jumps back and forth. Yeah, and he says, "Looking back now, I realize I should have reported this immediately." Yeah, right. That's the part you're referring to. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Hey, bro. I mean, dude, Loki kind of threw. I ain't gonna lie. There are parts where, like, obviously, you you working on something like that. I mean, yeah, this I understand the security. You got to be airtight. Yeah. With stuff. So stuff like that. I mean, shit, bro. I agree. Dude should have reported it. Yeah, he should have. So there are, but I, I there. Are, I mean. I mean, I guess no one's perfect, but like, and I, I like, I really like the scene. I'm sure we'll get to this uh, with your timeline, but skipping ahead a little bit, there's a part where when he goes to meet G- uh, Jean again at a hotel, yeah, uh, he goes to Chicago, I think, and he meets her there and they, they meet up just to have sex pretty much. Like, yeah. He brings her flowers and then so he, weird. he hits <laughs> it. I mean, he's just trying to get some, trying to get that thing. I have become mm-hmm. destroyer of, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he. He does that, and um, they there's like a, a, a spy for the U.S. military or something watching him, seeing what he's doing, because they already like you know they know his background, mm-hmm. they know like who he's talked to, people suspected of communism, so they were aware of that, and that's why he wasn't on the list immediately to like overhear the Manhattan Project and all that. Yeah. Um. So they follow him, they know who he's meeting, and they. Of course, are like, well, this girl's a known communist. Like, what's he meeting her for? Mm-hmm. And he pretty that's, you know, why he had to like pretty much admit to the affair and all that. Yeah. In front of his wife and all that. Um, which, damn. But um, that part, there's a part where he then meets and comes face to face with a guy who's following him. And he pretty much questions him. And they're talking like, and he's trying to protect his friend pretty much. Yeah. About like all that stuff. So he kind of lies. I thought that part was uh, very intense. Yeah. Tension. Are you talking about when he's in the office? Yes. With the two the two military people? Yes. yes. Yeah, so we could talk about that part. So um, Boris Pash, that's, who, that's yeah. who the guy was. He was the head of security. He's played by Casey Affleck. Yep. And he's only in it for that scene. That's his only scene, yeah. Yeah. They, they pretty much said that they bugged this room. They brought Oppenheimer into it, and then they began questioning him about um, about a matter of security, about how there was a spy at Los Alamos, mm-hmm. and they they are pressing Oppenheimer. They're like, "Oh, you know, we realized that someone might have been there. Um, do you know anything about this?" And Oppenheimer, like off the top of his head, he's trying to just bullshit them <laughs> because he doesn't want to give up his friend. Yeah, because this is Kitty's ex husband, but at the same time, like him and Kitty were going through relationship problems, so he had you know their children be watched by him. So he kind of owes him something. Yeah. Um, and Oppenheimer, he just bullshits. He's like, oh, like, I don't know. I don't know the name of him. Um, and he, and he even goes as far to say as like, I think there were even multiple security breaches at Los Alamos. Mm-hmm. And he was just trying to give them like, he's a, trying to throw the trail. He was, him. yeah, he was trying to like give them a satisfying answer. And he even says like, I'm sorry if I seem like I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to cooperate. I just don't want to like, you know, give up these people that I'm, I've been paid to protect and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. So I think the movie does a great job of, showing why Oppenheimer is sympathizing with them. Um, not because they're communists, but because they're just people. You know, yeah, if, if they find out these people were communists, they would kill them. You know, like... They'd I probably question the shit out of them. Probably, yeah. yeah, question the shit out of them, torture them, and kill them. And he, yeah, you he didn't want to put those people under that because they were under his protection. Yeah. But yeah, that scene is very unsettling. The Yeah, Casey Affleck is really it, good. It, it doesn't even show his face when he has sat down first. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're like, oh, let's talk about this. They don't show his face until they flash back and it shows him like turn to Oppenheimer. Yeah. He looks, it's so eerie, dude. Because you can tell that it just seems like that guy could snap at any time, bro. Like, <laughs> it does actually. Yeah. It is scary. It's, dude, no, nah, it's really, that, that scene to me stood out as like one of like the, like, like besides like 
a lot of the other scenes that have a ton of like intense performances and like combined with the score yeah and the dialogue and like i don't know that that one was one of the ones that stood out to me as being particularly tense yeah i agree that was a very good scene i agree uh so moving through the timeline now we have so from 42 to 45 pretty much for two to three years oppenheimer he took everyone to the new mexico desert because his brother he has a ranch there and they built this entire town. They built entire uh, bunkers and structures to work on the Manhattan Project, which they were pretty much in the desert for like, like I said, two and a half to three years, like just working on this thing, which is crazy. And a lot of the stuff for this movie, it was shot on location. So they actually went out to the desert. I'm sure Nolan, like they built the, the town for real to scale. Like it must have felt real cool to be like a film crew going out there to like get this film done you're building it for real everything's all practical like i'm sure being a cast or crew member on that it must have had some surreal factor yeah like it it made the performances even better you know actually being there not being in some green screen yeah i could i could tell watching this that that's like an actual place they're at like they built this place i guess yeah that's pretty cool yeah there are some aerial shots too um of the landscape which i think are absolutely incredible like I love the cinematography on that. It it was done very well. Um, yeah, the cinematography in that is great. So jumping to 1944, this is in the middle of the Manhattan Project. Uh, Gene Tadlock dies. Mm, so do you okay. want to talk about this? Because this, for a very brief second, when we see Gene Tadlock, she drowns herself in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. We also see a hand on her neck. Yeah, it's very brief. It's, it's like, like a two seconds. There's one shot. Yeah. And you can almost miss it because it's wearing a little black leather glove. Yeah. And her hair is like darker. Yeah. So you could miss it. What do you um, think of that? I mean, I think it's 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 I think it's Nolan purposely uh playing at the possibility because that was a color part. Yes. So it's a part that could be, you know, up to so it's subjective. Yeah. It's a part where you can be like Maybe she did kill herself or, you know, maybe they did, you know, be like, okay, like this girl could potentially know something. Yeah. So like, let's just not take any chances. Yeah. I think I agree. It was him kind of poking at the, uh, the potential that maybe the U S government had something to do with Gene Tadlock's death to, and that was already a conspiracy, like way prior. Yeah. This. People had talked about this before to pretty much sever Oppenheimer's communist sympathies. They had to kill his, mm-hmm. I guess his love or. Or something yeah whispers his exo you know, whether she killed herself because she was heartbroken or whether Sado. she she drowned herself i mean yeah i i do think they could have done it in a better way like who drowns themselves that seems very themselves? hard to do i i mean it, it's ver- it's almost impossible because you your human nature is to breathe yeah and you're aware that you can just lift your head and do it yeah so your body will almost like, yeah exactly make you do it yeah so in that moment that would be v- extremely hard unless she was like extremely drunk and like you know on shit like drugs whatever i could see it being extremely hard to kill yourself in that way so i mean i'm not sure what happened in real life yeah i 100 percent wouldn't put it past the u.s government doing that um i understand why it's a conspiracy uh so i mean i think it's really a neat little detail yeah it's cool that, that no one put a little blink and you miss it thing in to just like you know, just kind of put Maybe it out there. This and it doesn't even like that. That's not even like a plot thread like that. that They don't even discuss the potential 
that that was a thing in the movie. They just, they just it's she, one visual thing. Yeah. Yeah. They just know she died. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really liked that. Yeah. I thought that was cool too. I feel like if I read the book as well, maybe it would have mm-hmm. more implications. Did like, you notice it when you watched it? The first time, yeah. I was like, damn. I was like, did somebody hold her down? I saw it too. Apparently, some people didn't. Because I remember, I thought, you know, I thought it was. I I know I noticed it, and then like just like two days ago, I saw IGN or some somebody post new rock stars. <laughs> no, <laughs> there was new rock stars. They had like a red circle and an arrow yeah. pointing at it. Did she do it? <laughs> Did she? Does do he it? know? Does she know? But no, yeah, they. Uh, people were talking about it, and I was just like, oh, I didn't realize this was like a thing people missed. Like I. I understand you can miss it, but I thought people would like, you know, seen it. Yeah. But I, I think it's a great detail. I, I think it's, uh, it just adds some more character and more, um, makes the world feel more alive. I agree. Um, so moving on, this is probably one of the, the best parts of the movie, the Trinity test. Okay. This yes. happens actually close to when the movie came out, July 16th, 1945. Oh bro, that's intentional. That's crazy. hundred percent. That is very cool. Um, so this is a whole sequence of the movie. I, I want to say it's maybe half an hour. They finally finished, they yeah. finally finished the bomb and it's really cool. Also, while they're, they're in their office, they have a big fishbowl mm-hmm. and they throw little marbles to represent how much like hydrogen is in the bomb. It's most, it's pretty much meant to represent like the progress of it. How much uranium, Nick? Yeah. Got a thing. They used hydrogen though. Did they? Originally, they were going to use hydrogen, but then remember one of the scientists, Dr. Teller, he was saying, like, why don't we use hydrogen? Mm-hmm. And then I, I thought it was uranium because he talks about um, he says this is how much uranium ore like they've mined so far. And he like tossed it in. Yeah. Well, so I mean, you you might be right. You might. I'm, I'm probably misremembering. But I remember the hydrogen bomb was... They do talk about it. Yeah, they talk about how they can use hydrogen in a bomb. And they do have a hydrogen bomb now. And one big part of the aftermath of this is them talking about... This is, there's a whole scene where they're discussing like wanting to um, begin development on the hydrogen bomb. Yeah. And Oppenheimer's against it because yeah. he's like, bro, like just what we did was crazy. Like, yeah. The hydrogen bomb's a step up. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Even crazier. Yeah, you're right. To this day, there's a, um, what's it called? It's called like a, a star, a tar, TARS. A TARS? TARS bomb. I could be, it's something what? weird. But if you look at like a scale, I don't think they've ever tested it. I think it's all like they just know that it would work based on like calculations. <laughs> like, yeah, they don't want to test Where it. Where would you even test that at? At this point, there's like nowhere like you the could ocean, test bro? it at. That would just fucking fuck up our yeah. ecosystem. Yeah, but yeah dude, imagine... Oh, if you look at it, they there's like a scale, and it's like a bar graph, and it shows like the size and scale of like the uh, the atomic bomb that was used for the Trinity Project, and then they have the hydrogen bomb, which looks off of eye, I would guess like five times bigger. Yeah. Um, and then this one, it just li- makes them both look extremely tiny, like in scale. So I don't even want to see like that. That one's just absolutely insane. That's crazy. But no, yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're developing the bomb, and um, I love how it takes a while from them to go once they, because I mean, the whole movie, not the whole movie, but a big chunk of the movie is about them developing it, yeah, and you know, pitching theories, getting other uh, physicists to work yeah. on it, yeah, recruiting. That's we haven't even talked about Matt Damon's character. Uh, yeah, I think it's I mean, General so Groves. Yeah, he he wants um they want to go and get a ton of physicists to help work on this 
they go and get like um what's his name Benny Safdie yeah Benny Safdie he's, he's a he's teller really good in this. He's, he's the one teller. he's the one who's um they get, they get Josh Peck yeah Josh Peck Josh they didn't they didn't get Drake where's the bomb Drake uh, <laughs> where's the bomb dude J- Drake is going through something. we're not even gonna talk about yeah, Drake he's out bro he's out um, um <laughs> Yeah, uh, so they get Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid, yes, he actually plays Richard Feynman, which Damn. he has his own like productivity bro. technique called the Feynman technique, and I was like, bro, that's Richard Feynman. Oh, yeah, they that's get cool. they get Roderick. Roderick, dude, Roderick is in this, bro. <laughs> um, dude, there's a there's Alex a, Wolf from oh, yeah, Hereditary in is in this. He's in it too. Yeah. He's one of the first students that mm-hmm. is ever there when when Oppenheimer's teaching in America. <laughs> One thing that's wild is before this movie came out, I wasn't aware that they had all these like yeah people playing. Physicists. I was just aware of maybe like the top six people. Yeah, I didn't know all the extra. I was people. like Emily Blunt, okay. Yeah, and there was a, I I didn't see the video at first. I just saw the quote, and I was like, this is a hundred percent a fake quote. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and it was like it was like Christopher Nolan likes like Diver Wimpy Kid too. <laughs> it said quote, and it's just like Roderick rules, and I was like, what? I, I saw the interview and it's real yeah. it is real but literally all he says is Roger rules yeah they, like someone's like oh I noticed this person was in it and he was like yeah Roger rules yeah <laughs> that's the whole interview he just I, yeah he just notices but I thought it was fake I was like get the fuck out why would he say that yeah and then I they clearly like made it so I would click on it and it worked yeah because I was like I gotta see I gotta yeah, see you the fell movie. for it I mean I wonder I thought it was fake but I mean <laughs> it was real he's in the movie he's, he's in it he has a he has a part where he's like I would like to introduce introduce or uh, yeah, interject interject he jumps in yeah he's like I would like to interject that theory with yeah something like that he's like, I want to try that one out yeah it is a really cool part when all the physicists are like in a room yeah, I do and they're like trying the to theorize how they would cause a bomb to go off and they say that they're gonna use a smaller explosion to like trigger the rest of the bomb mm-hmm. because it's like a, it's a little orb that they put into it yeah and then surrounding it is all of I guess what, what did you say? The uranium. Uranium. Yeah, they, it's all like uranium, like cells. Damn, it's crazy. It is crazy. It's um, cool because you, if you really sit there and like watch it, like not, maybe not for the first time, but the second time, you really do learn a lot about like physics and theory. And they talk about how like a star, if it has, if it's dying, the more gravity, the more denser it becomes, and it's just a cycle until it explodes. Like, it is cool that Nolan was able to translate like actual physics theories. Yeah. Like on the screen and make it in a way that was like, oh, like, like that's how that works. And I was going to say what I think is cool is this all is uh, it the scene where they actually finally drop it and test it. It it like you said, it's like a 30 minute like build up of that scene where they're testing it and they're talking about like, OK, how far do we have to be back? Like, let's like, yeah, guess like yeah. How, how long there, there's yeah. a part when they first blow up like a section of the bomb to <laughs> see how how it would react. And it literally, it like, sh- they're standing behind a big wooden fence, and it, like, shakes the fence, and they're like, oh, shit, like, we should be farther. And I, I really like how, that was funny. how the sound design in that point, it's, um, it's like how in real life, a lot of times when you see something, for example, like a sniper. Yeah. If you shoot a sniper gun, or, like, a, a sniper rifle, it'll be, like, the bullet hits, and then afterwards you hear the sound. Yeah, because it goes faster than the, exactly. speed of the sound barrier. It breaks the sound exactly. barrier. Exactly, so... You wouldn't even hear a lot of times, like if you were sniped or shot at by a sniper. Yeah. The bullet, if it didn't hit you, you would hear the sound after the bullets already like traveled. Yeah. And so with this, when they test it, you see it explode, and then a second later, it's like it's delayed. Hear, yeah. Yeah. Which is like how it is. Yeah, I like that attention to detail. No one did a really good time uh, job with that. One hundred percent agree. Um, but yeah, the Trinity test, dude. So 
it's a whole 30 minute sequence leading up they're testing parts of the bomb they're they're building a giant tower to drop it from um everyone's in different places i think oppenheimer is maybe like 10 miles away yeah and then there's people that are at the camp um and then there's also other people you know that are standing like from a far far distance to watch it um and the whole scene leading up to it they were going to drop it i think during one part of the day but it starts raining and so they start uh, checking yeah. the weather they're like okay like you know 5:30 like 6 a.m. max when this when dawn breaks we're going to drop the bomb the rain should let up um and so oppenheimer and groves are kind of just like in a bunker and they're waiting it out they have a really interesting conversation he's like he's like you know when we drop this thing like like what's going to happen and oppenheimer's like oh well there's a small chance like we might you know permanently <laughs> ignite the atmosphere and yeah. blow everything up yeah and and groves is like so you're saying there's a chance like we could press that button and blow up the whole world and he's like yeah he's like the, the chances are close to zero yeah they're close to zero <laughs> and he's like he's like what else do you want from theory like that that's a good line i like that because thinking about something it can only take you so far you really got to actually do it yeah and before then we have a scene where he goes to einstein because one of his physicists yeah teller he was the teller. one that, that brought up the hydrogen bomb idea yeah and he writes some calculations that would start a chain reaction yeah exactly and that's what that's why he goes to einstein at one point and shows him and einstein's like who, who wrote these who wrote like, these? yeah they're talking about it and they're like they're like oh man like i don't know bro like the chances are like near zero but like they're there yeah and um damn it, it comes back later on. It does. The ending is insane. Bro. Yeah, I think the dude. The ending is very good. I think this ending is like one of the few endings in movies in my life that I've seen where like it ends and then I genuinely are just I'm just like, damn. I'm like, like I literally she, have the same face Oppenheimer has. I'm just like watching the end of Oppenheimer got me like and it's, it's, <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah, it's oh, my dude. face. But no, yeah, when the bomb does drop. I think the visuals are insane, especially knowing that they are all um, practical. Yes. And like just created on miniature scales, multiple different concoctions made. I would love to. I can't wait to see uh, behind the scenes stuff. on Yes. That and like in more detail. It'd be so cool. Um, like you said, there is a sound delay. The bomb drops. Oh, and yeah. The whole theater just goes quiet. Oh, my God. That was insane. I, I actually didn't expect that. I yeah. was thinking it was going to be like. Just loud as hell. Like Michael Bay. Like <laughs> Yeah. And I'm I actually oh my god. I'm so glad in the showings I went to, there was nobody that like was like <laughs> Yeah. Like it was like quiet. Yeah, people was, are on the edge of their seats. Everybody was like holding their breath. It was so quiet. Everybody was just watching like the visuals, just like like just taking it all in. Yeah. And then Bro, I think that was the perfect use of the Destroyer of Worlds line. Yes. Right before you finally hear the explosion, which honestly, when I saw it in IMAX, I don't know about you, it was insanely loud. It's massive. It I was, didn't know that the, the sound systems for IMAX theaters were different. Oh my God. I yeah. thought it was the same, but just the screen was different. But like, mm -hmm. it was huge, it, bro. It was, I literally like felt the like vibrations. I swear it felt like I felt the vibrations yeah. like shake me. It is so different than watching it in a regular theater. It's but wild. That it is a very good placement of the line because when they blew that up, they didn't know if they were like gonna still be alive after it. Dude. Yeah. Like they made a weapon so massive that it could have wiped them out just trying it out. 
Yeah, and it completely like foreshadows in the beginning with the line and with the title of the book that's based on yeah. the Amadeus thing. They literally have um, oh Prometheus. Yeah, Prometheus. They have a line in the very beginning of the movie where it's it like says Prometheus stole fire from gods from, and gave from it the to, gods and gave it to man. Yeah, and then for this he was he was chained tortured. To, to, yeah, chained to a rock and tortured for eternity. Yeah, and I and that just is the whole after part of like yeah. Oppenheimer how he's like tortured inside. Yeah. Because he believes that he pretty much like gave humanity the tool to, that's gonna kill them. Yeah. At some point. Yeah, that is very good um, foreshadowing and like some food for yeah. thought to think throughout yeah, the whole like movie. That. Um, but yeah, the Trinity test was great. I think the score for it that Ludwig Garrison did for it was great. Um, it was very tense, and it it played really well into into like what happened in that scene. Uh, Josh Peck is in it. He's in the <laughs> bunker with Oppenheimer. Um, <laughs> people are saying that he pressed the button that 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 like detonated the bomb, but that's not true. If you pay attention to the movie, he's actually there to stop the yeah. bomb if anything goes wrong. Oppenheimer tells him if if the bomb drops with like between like two volts, like you press that button and we can abort this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what he's there. So he's for. watching, waiting it to yeah. see if it does go too high. And then there's someone else in the bunker with Oppenheimer, and before the bomb drops, he like he jumps out of the the bunker. And he wants to see the thing for real, not through like a piece of glass. The that bomb goes off. Crazy, he gets fucking blown back. <laughs> I thought that dude was gonna get incinerated. <laughs> but they were they were I guess they were a safe enough distance. Like but still back or still the shockwave comes and it's oh my god it like shakes yeah. the ground, dude. That's wild. I wonder how they recreated that. The the how could you recreate a shockwave? That's true. Besides Man. using maybe fans and dirt, like you have to visibly shake the camera or That's the ground or something. I wonder how they did that. I mean, they. Damn, yeah, that is a good. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. That's interesting. I mean, it it does like visually, like it looks a hundred percent like a shockwave. Yeah. Like it literally, one of them is sitting in a car. Yeah. And you like see the car out shake as well. You see the papers yeah. fly, their hair fly back. Yeah. The close up shots, I'm pretty sure you can just use a fan, like yeah. you said, but like the the big wide angle shots where there's multiple people on screen, there's you can literally see the dirt from the desert ground like blow back and you yeah. can you can visually see the shockwave travel like through them. That, yeah. Man, it's that, crazy. That is impressive. It's very great attention to detail. I agree. But yeah, the Trinity test, I think it's it's one part of the movie that it sets up and it absolutely pays off. Yeah, it does. Everything it does. leading up to it I think is great. Um and like just going to see that scene again is is worth it to see the movie. Um, so f- that same year, the next month, this is when the U.S. finally um, takes the bombs to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they bomb Japan because, again, in the context of the history of World War II, Japan was very much not going to surrender. They were going to keep, you know, attacking us. And, and they were not they were not going to surrender. But Japan was pretty much ready to die. And so. The U.S. decided to bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which are two Japanese cities. Um, they bombed it once to show that they that we had a bomb this big, and then we bombed the city, the other city, to pretty much show, like you know, we can keep doing this. Yeah, we can keep doing this. We can keep bombing you guys. I think there's even one scene where even Oppenheimer he meets with some like oh my god yeah. some officials, and they're choosing like the places that they could bomb. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the I th- I don't want to say it was the president. No, because the president's Truman later. Mm-hmm. But 
one of the officers, he's like, oh, like, let's not bomb Kyoto. He's like, I actually like going there with my wife. Yeah, like, yeah, on our honeymoon. They're on our honeymoon. He's yeah, like, and everyone, like, just laughs like, at that line. Thing. Or no, no one laughs, but they're just like. It's kind of like. I heard that line was ad-libbed. Yeah, I heard. And it's, but it's also true. Like, the actor I heard found out that that was true. Wow. So then, like, that, like, they actually. That's cool. Yeah. So he was like, well, shit, I can throw I mean, this in I mean, it's not cool, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, like. It, I mean, it's a good little Easter egg. I think it's a great line of dialogue because it it shows like like the kind of mindset they're in. Yeah. Like, and it's like it's laughable now, but like like they were dead ass serious. Yeah. Like that was like it's crazy to just think like how some people are sitting in a room laughing about which city to bomb when it's yeah. like. When in reality, like there are people living there, there's families. Like Kyoto, it's a whole community, bro. They literally only dodged a bullet because that was like the way they went for the honeymoon. Yeah, it's yeah. Wild. Imagine if they went to Hiroshima, like history would have been totally different. Jeez, it's insane. Uh, okay, so jumping through the timeline now. Um, later that year, in '45, Oppenheimer he he meets with uh, President Truman, who is played by Gary Oldman. I think this is another actor who shows up for just a scene or two. I think um, it's literally just that scene. I think, yeah, I think that's yeah. the only time we see him. But the makeup on him looks great. He looks... Oh, my God. I, I, mean, didn't, I, I didn't even realize it was him the first time I saw him. Yeah. And dude, then I heard he was in it. I was like, wait, who was Gary it? Oldman is, is so good, dude. Man, bro. He he really serves in this Serious brief scene. Black. But he meets with Oppenheimer, and he is pretty much saying, like, you know, we want to keep pushing these developments of, of creating atomic weapons. Um, and he's like, what should we do with Los Alamos? Because they built this whole area in the New Mexico desert completely dedicated to you know researching weapons of mass destruction and oppenheimer says oh you know let's shut it down let's just give the land back to the indians and, oh yeah and truman's like he kind of is just like like taken aback from this and because he's like my brother like yeah shouldn't we like start development on another bomb yeah and then his secretary is like oh like you know we were thinking about having other plans for it and they pretty much the, the secretary just like gets him out of there and when he's leaving, Truman's like, "Get that! Like, don't let that crybitch like." That. He pretty much he, <laughs> don't let that crybaby back. Yeah, in he here. pretty much calls Oppenheimer like a crybaby. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, this guy's all feeling sympathetic because we bombed two cities." Like, I did hear that through the account of probably that book, um, or American but Prometheus. like this the uh, uh, secretary that was in there. I think from his personal account as well, he said being there, Oppenheimer did um, say. I feel like I have blood on my hands. Like, like he yeah, actually yeah, he does that. say that. He says, "I feel like I have blood on my hands." Yeah, he said that in the movie, but apparently, like, he also like that's a real like line. That's crazy that he said. And then Truman was just like, "My brother." No, <laughs> but yeah, Truman. Of course, he's the U.S. president. He's gonna want to push America towards a direction of being able to defend themselves in yeah. in the sense of another war. Because this is the '40s, dude. Like, we've already had two world wars at that point. Mm-hmm. We've luckily not had a third. But I wouldn't be surprised people of that time to think that a third could be on the cusp of happening. Yeah, that's true. Um, one thing, I, I how they're talking about how, like, oh, like, America's the only one that's going to have this, like, like this kind of weapon. Yeah. And he's just like, well, he's like, there's, like, great scientists over there as well. Like, I'm sure they're doing, like, the exact same thing we're doing. Yeah. And he's just like, he's like, no, nah, they won't. He's like, you know why? He's like, he's like, this America. This is like America. Pretty much. Like that's America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what he says. Don't let that crybaby back in here. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. Apparently I, he actually said something about him being a crybaby. I don't know. I don't want to say Don't let that crybaby back in here. I don't want to say fuck a president, bro, but <laughs> like I this mean, this dude, he built the bomb for you. 
I can understand both sides. I mean, sides. there's practically like I can understand both no sides. No world leader that has ever been like all good. Bro, Trump. And if not, <laughs> and if there is, they probably didn't live too long. Uh, I I thought Abe Lincoln. No, Abe Lincoln was a slave owner. We don't need to get into yeah, this. We, we, <laughs> every president ranking every president. Oh shit, that's the next episode, bro. Yeah, yeah, we should. I bet you someone's done that. <laughs> Who who's number one? Number one president? Yeah, I, George who, Washington. I don't know. But could you? I mean, you could argue that because he's the <laughs> I'd, first. I'd say Roosevelt maybe was probably oh, yeah, or you, Kennedy because he was actually John killed, F. Kennedy. He was killed for pushing an agenda that exactly. was exactly. Actually, his name comes up later in the movie. Oh shit, bro! They name dropped him. Yeah, it was like it was. Like my, Let's go! It was like when <laughs> Einstein showed up for the first time. We're like, oh, <laughs> let's wait, go! Wait, the one funny part in this is when a car drives off and Einstein just like walking out yeah. the shadows. We <laughs> were like, yo! And like Einstein he just walks comes up. out. That's so funny. <laughs> Yeah, they name dropped John F. Kennedy, bro. Actually, we're moving to that part in the timeline. Yep. So two years later in 47, this is after the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, Louis Strauss, he recruits Oppenheimer to meet him at Princeton. And they're pretty much sitting down with all the other like war generals. I don't think Groves is there, but he's sitting down with Strauss and a lot of other people to talk about the possibility of a spy being at Los Alamos. Um, and this part, it's in black and white. Um and yeah they're at princeton the institute for advanced studies or whatever advanced mechanics um what did you think of that part i mean it's the first part where we see other than the beginning of the movie we see oppenheimer and strauss kind of together talking about i guess the future of the of the bomb now that it's made well i i really like how you see that same seen multiple times throughout the movie yeah like in the beginning you see it relatively early on in the beginning and you don't realize that that scene's going to come back multiple times and you see how you see it from different perspectives yeah and i really like how they how even in a movie that's about someone's life uh nolan uses time and the way he tells the story because revealing certain things from different perspectives and all that's a great storytelling mechanic and I, I, I think that that scene at Princeton is uh, done extremely well showing different parts of it yeah. throughout the movie. Yeah, I agree. I do like how it comes back to that scene because it is a very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two years later, man, this is, I didn't realize how much time we had skipped through. In 1949, uh, the Atomic Energy Commission, which is what uh, RDJ is like the head of at that point. Mm-hmm. Um he he goes to a Congress hearing and he's pretty much trying to to get security clearance to be like, hey, like, you know, we should keep oh, making yeah, bombs. Yeah, yeah. Like, I need to be put on that security board or whatever. I need my security clearance cleared. And what happens is Strauss becomes salty because Oppenheimer pretty much he mocks him when they're at court because Strauss, you know, he's he's a general, he's not a real physicist, and he's saying that he doesn't have the supporting of like physicists and like scientists. Um, and Oppenheimer kind of like. I forget what he says. He's like, oh, he compares like he compares sandwich. like his yeah his brain or like his. <laughs> he says something of isotopes. Yeah, he says like his theory on like using isotopes for bombs is like more helpful than a sandwich or something. He says like it's like almost as helpful as a sandwich. Or yeah, like something like something yeah. like yeah. He kind of like he did, he he roasts. He he checks him. Yeah, you know. Um, and this later he vibe checked him. He vibe. <laughs> Let me check you, brother. That's what he said. <laughs> but I think at that time Oppenheimer still had like his own security clearance and he still had like the respect from everybody and all that, even though he was like, you know, 
going through his own stuff. At, th- at that time, he hadn't really been like shit on yet. Yeah. But exiled. I think this is a part where where Strauss kind of, I don't want to say cements like his, his, uh, his hate or like his displeasure for like Oppenheimer. But this is after the events of, um, of the Manhattan Project when they met at Princeton. So like they'd been friends for some time. But I think this is kind of like a nail in the coffin that ends up, I guess, kind of undoing Oppenheimer's yeah. Yeah. prestige and also Strauss's at the same time. Well, because Strauss, like, I mean, it's revealed that he, like, never let that go. Yeah. And, like, that's the whole, like, reason behind, like, Strauss's motives. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then later that year in 1949, um, this is when he meets Strauss in that big excuse me, in that big round table and they're pretty much monitoring the Soviet Union's use of an atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. And this is where they're like, look, we need to keep making more bombs. Like the Soviet Union, like is already like, has already made theirs. Like they're testing it. Yeah. Um, and this is where in 1950, this is where they make the hydrogen bomb. So this is still under Truman's presidency. They, they finally approve that hydrogen bomb that we talked about. Um, it's put into development, um, which is pretty cool to see that. I mean, first they made the bomb with, you said, uranium. And then this theory of using it with hydrogen to make an even bigger bomb oh my God. is, is it happens. It does. It's crazy. And I don't think Oppenheimer was cleared to work on that, was he? No, he, did, he didn't even want to. He yeah. didn't want to clearly. He didn't want to work on anything He was else. against the hydrogen bomb. Yeah. And that was like a big thing. Like they were trying to get. Oppenheimer to be in on it like remember like the teller is trying to like be like oh will you like can I get your support for like this and he's like nah yeah so like he was done he said no more he be- he began to like advocate against all of that yeah okay so then jumping three years forward this is when um this is when a big part of the movie comes into play so Borden which is played by a uh, polka dot man I'm forgetting his name Oh, oh, it's I maybe forgot. like yeah. Damien Deschamel. It his name has it starts at two, like it's a D and D. I know exactly the actor you're talking he about. He plays Polka Dot Man. He's in so many things. He's in uh yeah, he's a great actor. But he plays this um I think he's a an Air Force pilot. Yes. And he talks to Oppenheimer about how when he was flying a plane he saw he saw like missiles exploding like in the air. He saw like missiles like flying mm-hmm. when he was like flying a plane. And he talks to Oppenheimer about it, but later he submits a letter that pretty much he writes it to the FBI. Yeah, he writes a letter to the FBI, and he's like, "Oh, I'm I have you know reasons to suspect that Oppenheimer is you know either working with the communists, he's a communist himself, um, and he's putting like our research and stuff at risk. And for this, his security clearance should be rejected. Mm-hmm. And so this is the whole point of why we're here in the movie, why he's in this hearing, why he's being interviewed by these people." Which let's also talk about. It was very unfair, bro. They, the <laughs> board that is is trying him, they have security clearance to look at all these declassified files and mm-hmm. stuff. And his his defense attorney, he has he nothing. He, he just has like a pen and paper. Yeah. He just has what Oppenheimer tells him. Yeah, and they won't let him like look at them. Yeah. He doesn't get his own copy. And they also have people, multiple people come in. Groves comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kitty comes in to testify. Borden comes in. And it's all behind closed doors. It's like a private Yeah, hearing. so nobody, it's not televised. No yeah. one's there to witness it. Um, one of his friends who studied with them at Berkeley, uh, Lawrence, the guy with the glasses, and mm-hmm. it's like, theory will only take you so far. <laughs> yeah. He was supposed to show up to testify. I don't know if it was against Oppenheimer or just to testify for himself to save his skin. Mm-hmm. But he shows up 
And before Oppenheimer can see him, his friend kind of like shoes him away. And so he doesn't show up. Mm. Um, which I thought that was interesting because all these people, even though they worked with Oppenheimer, you know, they still, they still have their lives and their livelihood to protect. So they yeah. testify against him. Yeah. Um, Pretty much everyone for the most part, like, yeah, I think everyone but his wife stands up for him. Maybe, I think, maybe Groves a I bit. Think Groves, he tells the truth and he says like knowing like this, these new guidelines, which were not in place whenever I cleared Oppenheimer. He's like, I would not clear him today. And then they're like, okay, thank you. But then he was like, but I would not clear any of those people. And then they're like, oh, that's it. Like, that's all we yeah, need. Yeah, that's all we need. Yeah. So they, bro, very that's, dismissive. That's all. Ha- that's, I mean, if you've ever seen any, like, trial ever, they always ask you a very specific thing. And you're like, yeah, but it's because of this. And they're like, no, I don't need to hear that. Just say this. Just yeah, say just yeah. say the reason. Yeah. And they just they yeah. just want, like, one word. So, like, they do that. So, Groves was like, I mean, he kept it real, but I he didn't, like, throw him under the bus or anything. I could understand why, though, because if it's like this guy's putting on tr- being put on trial for having communist sympathies and is also maybe a suspected suspected communist mm-hmm. yourself. If you like try to protect him or sympathize with him, you're just you're, like, you might be put on trial and maybe his yeah. security clearance yeah, exactly. might be put at risk. Hey bro, it's Kitty, very much like a witch hunt. Oh, it is bro. Like, Kitty went hard though. Yeah, she did. Dude, th- I'm not going to lie. I saw memes where people were like, they're like Kitty for like the first, like two, two and a half hours of the movie. And it's just like, someone like drunk and like like whatever <laughs> yeah she is kind of alcoholic and, and it's just like her and like like the last like in the fourth quarter when she was needed and then it was just like yeah. yeah she was just like locked in bro yeah when she's like she's like, oh like that was 16 years ago she's like i mean 17 see oh i say 17 18 yeah and it's like, <laughs> he's like but you just said 18 was like, 19 yeah, i like that yeah that part went hard bro yeah, yeah dude jason clark bro he's oh, um yeah. he's one of the guys on the board that is interviewing oppenheimer the whole mm-hmm. time bro he he goes hard bro he's in um we talked about it briefly at one point he's in the show on hbo max or max called uh oh fuck what's he called um winning time the, oh he's the in winning Lakers. Time? he plays uh jerry west he's a basketball player but he's jerry west was a basketball player in like the 50s okay and this takes place in like the 70s and 80s so he's oh. now retired and an old head yeah he's like an old head who's like kind of working behind the scenes he used to be their coach but in this season, he's like upper management, like behind the scenes. So he plays him in that. Because I was yeah. like, I know I've seen that. Dude That's somewhere. cool. But yeah, he's he's good in that show. Yeah, he is really good. But um, he's really good in the movie too. Yeah. I, I actually really like the scene where he's like grilling Oppenheimer, and then you begin to see like the distorted reality behind. Yeah, him. the walls start like walls, morphing, and then you see like the light from like the bomb like just flashing through, and like everything's bright. That's the only time in the movie where. The score and the score is building up a ton to that point where the yeah. score like builds up and it's crazy and loud and all that. That's the only point where I found any difficulty understanding what was being said. Yeah. But I think that's the entire point because he's getting grilled and like, you know, like you're supposed to be. It's from his perspective, Oppenheimer's perspective. So he's like getting grilled and he's got all this stuff in his head. He's thinking about like it's just. I mean, when you got the pressure on you. Yeah. I mean, it's he, a great way to visually. He's show getting everything. roasted. <laughs> That's how it be when you're getting roasted. Yeah, when you're getting roasted, squad, bro. Just you're just sitting there like, it's just like lights, like just, blinding you. Just taking it, bro. Just sitting there taking it. Jesus. Um. So yeah, after that letter gets submitted, pretty much Oppenheimer's entire, like I guess integrity is kind of put at risk because they're yeah. like, oh, you've been sympathizing with op with with communists. You know, we have a letter written by someone. We know that you've had past relationships with communists. We had someone, you know. We we bugged a room and we tried to get the name of someone that you were protecting that is a known communist and you wouldn't give that up. 
all of this kind of leads to them um, eventually ending their their trial. And they're like, all right, listen, we think that you're you know an upstanding American citizen, but we are not going to clear your security to work on any future projects of weapons of mass destruction. And so Oppenheimer loses his security clearance. Man, they got his ass out. Damn. And that happens in that happens in fifty three, and then we jump. I'm sorry, fifty four. And so we jump five years later, and this is when Strauss is at his Senate hearing, mm. and his security clearance is being put at risk. Um, and this is all in black and white. This mainly takes place from the perspective of of Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in court, and they're pretty much questioning him about his relationship to Oppenheimer. You know, when he knew him and when he worked on him during the Manhattan Project and everything leading up to that. But yeah, that part. Um, I mean, who? What's this dude's name, bro? Bro, uh, Rami Malik, Rami Malik, Rami Malik. Yeah, Malik. Rami bro, Malik. Who, <laughs> who does he play? What's the character's name? His name is Doctor Hill. Bro, what's crazy is Doctor Hill was like in it like two or three times beforehand. Yeah, and Oppenheimer Loki kind of like treated him like shit. Yeah, he had a clipboard. He was yeah. trying to make him sign like, Get the shit to face. like to. It was something about communism. They were like, hey, like, can you support this? Sign this out. petition for communism, and, and he smacks it out of his hand. Bro, but Hill came in clutch, bro. Yeah, oh, my dude. God. When when RDJ brought Hill, he thought he was going to testify in his favor, but he pretty much says, like, you know, I think that Oppenheimer's, like, security clearance was, like, the whole thing was started because of a letter that, that Strauss orchestrated. It's because of, like, the personal vindictiveness he had against him. Like, he he always felt inferior. And he pretty much clutches up and I mean, while he speaks it, facts while the whole it's time. too late to save Oppenheimer's security clearance, he does like save his name and he says, Listen, like this whole thing didn't even start because he's like a, a known communist or suspected communist. It started because this guy, you know, intentionally set someone up he's pretty much set him up. Yeah, he, he pretty did. much set him up to get his security clearance taken down. And Strauss is saying, you know, like he made the bomb, he wanted to he wanted to take all like the weight of like what that would mean. He wanted the ramifications. Strauss thinks that Oppenheimer wanted to be like a martyr. He wanted to be someone that, that what is it like heavy, the head that wears the crown. Like he mm-hmm. wanted to be the one that, that made the bomb and he wanted to suffer for it. And he and wanted, you find out that, yeah, you find out that Strauss, um, like is the one that got bored in to do all the stuff. Yeah. Like he was like, he was oh, in the room. Yeah, he helped, like, you know, he w- he was the guy pulling the strings. Yeah. Hey, bro, all because he was a little salty. Got a little salty, bro. Oh, and I, I absolutely love, because we're getting, <laughs> this is actually a point where um they go back and he's pissed and they're talking about, they're waiting for the Senate to get their votes in. And uh, I love how, um that's, there's two parts here. This is the part where, oh yeah, Alden, uh, Aaron Wright is in this yeah Han yeah. Solo yeah he's in this and he's, I, he's good I kept seeing him and I was like I've seen him bro and I was like oh yeah that's who he is Han Solo um, that's this is the part where it's just like oh like it's like yeah you were voted out and then it's just like it's like oh, it's like Dan it's like who's deciding vote and it's just like oh it's like someone trying to make a name for themselves it's like uh, John F. Kennedy <laughs> this like, and then like the crowd's like yo yo, yo! John F. and then uh, <laughs> I, I really like the line how he keeps um, bringing up, he's like, he's like, oh man, like Oppenheimer's been like against me from the start. Yeah, he turned like, the scientists like against me. He turned the scientists against me. He's like, I don't know what he told Einstein that one day, but Einstein wouldn't even meet me like eye level. Yeah. And I love how, excuse me, how he then says, like, oh, maybe they were talking about something like more important. Yeah. I, oh my God. I just love how it ends with them finally like 
Yeah, they reveal what he said. Oh, bro. And with, what he, that, that part goes so hard. Like, oh, it's just absolutely crazy. That part is really good. I think that's pretty much the end of the timeline. I, I mean, mean, pretty from what we see, yeah. I'm sure there was later, more stuff in real life. Later on, actually, in 63, um, Oppenheimer, he this is when he looks old and balding. They finally, he receives a, a, a rewar- an award from uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson. And they show us this part in the future why Einstein's talking to him. Yeah, they're like, you know... Like, you made this great achievement. People are going to, you know, they're going to hate you. They're going to give you awards for it, but it's not going to be for you. Yeah. It's going to be for the people giving it to you. Yeah, it's going to be you for know, them. They're going to shake your hand. He's gonna, pretty much saying it from his experience. Yeah, because he, I mean, dude, Einstein the goat. Yeah. He and made I, time relative. I love how there's, like, one shot where uh, Oppenheimer shakes uh, Teller's hand. Yeah. And then, like, he tries to shake his wife's hand, and she's like, I Yeah, she shit. says, nah. She looks old, Emily Blunt. <laughs> Emily I, I heard I in mean, the book American Prometheus that uh, Kitty didn't shake Teller's hand, of course, mm-hmm. like in real life. Mm-hmm. So even though it's in color and it's subjective, she refused to shake his hand. And like Teller said that like he like broke down like after that. Like Damn. He, I mean, I guess he really wanted that that handshake. To, I mean, he threw his friend under the bus, dude. He wanted but, a piece. You know, maybe you can understand Teller's side because he wanted to make a bomb after helping Oppenheimer. And Oppenheimer didn't want to help him after seeing the ramifications of what happened. Yeah. Um, but, bro, oh my God. You talk about the ending? Dude, the, the very last scene, we finally, this is in color too. Mm-hmm. We finally go back this to... This is part of what Einstein was just saying too. It all leads up to this. Yeah, this is back at Princeton when uh, when Oppenheimer goes to Einstein about those calculations. It's one of the first scenes we see. Yeah. Like where they, when Strauss first takes him to Princeton and like they, he yeah. walks to go talk to Einstein. But he goes to Einstein... And he's like, you know, when I when I came to you with those calculations a long time ago, um, he's like, I thought that we would start a chain reaction in the world. And mm. Oppenheimer's like, oh, like, yeah, what happened? Like, I remember that. And Oppenheimer's like, yeah, I believe we did. Damn, and bro. um, and then that's why Einstein was just like, that's what he was thinking on. He was like, Damn, yeah, he was just thinking so hard. That's why he didn't want to, you know. Yeah, like talk to Strauss or anything. He I just, mean, I don't know. It's it's a really like. And I also it's a really haunting ending. It is because and it also like it it pretty much I love how there's a visual where you see the raindrops in the pond. Yeah, there's, a, there's like, a little montage. And it's kind of showing the visual it's like a way to visualize like bombs dropping in like yeah. the planet and like on, on on a map or something. Or like a ripple effect. Yeah, ripple effect. Yeah, it's just multiple ways to look at it. And I think visually there's one part where they look at a map and he kind of sees yeah, like Yeah, you can see the water. Yeah. And then also the way that this movie starts is with the exact same shot. There's a shot of water and Oppenheimer young in college is like standing outside and like he's looking down at the floor and you see like raindrops like dropping. So it's yeah. like it opens and like ends of like the exact same visual. Yeah. And while he's kind of just sitting there when Einstein's walking away, he's he's visualizing the future. You yeah. know, he sees bomb multiple bombs being built. They're getting shot into the air. There's a shot of him. Um, this is what Borden told him. He was sitting in a plane seeing missiles fly across like the sky. He said he saw like one, but in this time Oppenheimer's sitting there. Yeah, he's in his seat and, and he's looking from like the he plane. He sees multiple. Yeah, he sees like, multiple bombs. Um, and he kind of just sits there like thinking about what he did. And then like a, a very sharp violin chord happens and he closes his eyes. He finally blinks. Yeah, he finally blinks, bro. Now He's been looking out for a long time. God, dude, that that ending is incredible, dude. It, it hits really hard. Actually. It does hit very hard because like everything the movie was building up to, 
you know, before, during, and after, like it all comes together right there. Just about this man having to like carry the weight of making something so that could cause like mass genocide mm-hmm. and having to live with it and like having his name attached to it too. That they show him a newspaper, or, like an article, and they're like, they're calling you the father of the atomic bomb. I forget who shows him that. It might be Kitty. It might be like one of his students. But yeah, I don't happens. remember. But that's crazy. The ending, I think, is very good. It hit even harder the second time after really listening to everything um, for the second time. But yeah, it's it honestly might be one of my favorite endings ever. I think it's one of the few endings where I legitimately like, like it wasn't just like a feeling of like, like, oh, damn, that was a good movie. Yeah. It was like, oh, damn, that's a good movie, but it's also like, damn, bro, like, that shit's, like, real. Yeah. Like, that's actually, like, real. Like, yes. It's crazy. Damn. It's, it is, it is like, for people that are very, like, empathetic, Yeah, like, it honestly might be, like, a tough watch. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, they're, so they didn't show the bombings. Yes, but yes. there there is a scene in this which also I think this is really good. Oppenheimer even talked about this. Scene. Yeah, he's sitting and he's getting questioned, and we hear, you know, very much throughout the trailers, we hear this like this these feet stomping. It when I first heard it, I thought it was a train, like, but it's people's feet stomping, and it cuts to Oppenheimer giving a speech at Los Alamos, you know, with all the crew and the workers and the scientists. He's talking about oh how everyone's gonna you know remember this day we finally built the bomb we finally did it. But, like, halfway through his speech, he can't even hear himself. Yeah. And he's kind of just looking around the crowd. We see those flashes of white light. We even see someone in the crowd. Her face kind of starts, like, melting. Mm-hmm. And Oppenheimer, he kind of snaps out of it. He gives a speech. He walks off. And then he even steps in, like, the like the mummified ash or, like, the, like the body of someone that looks like they got bombed. It just became, like, hollow charcoal. Yeah, just like a... Yeah, they literally became ash. Mm-hmm. One part that I, I, it's this is part that I really like on like the sound mixing in this in this scene because the footsteps are crazy, like the you know the stomping. Yeah. Um, but one part is, it starts off like you're hearing like, the crowd cheering, and then there's one part where like they're cheering for something he said, and then at the very end there's just like a part where it sounds like someone screaming. Yeah. Like it, it cuts off like just like a second later than the rest of the cheering does so then you realize like you're kind of hearing like what he imagined is probably like the screams of the people like yeah in like hiroshima and uh nagasaki yeah because this happens after the bombing he's like oh like yeah. like i know japan didn't like that like yeah it almost seems like he was like literally acting because he's yeah, sitting there exactly. giving a speech about how incredible it is they did this and they bombed another city but his mind is clearly on the other side of the world thinking about like these people are dead like yeah, people all the lives got all the instantly people. like in like vanished bro crazy it's dude. insane i think that scene's like actually extremely yeah. haunting that is a good scene and i will admit before i saw the movie for the first time i thought that sound and even when i was talking to my dad about it he said he thought the sound was originally like the marching sound of soldiers like nazi soldiers mm-hmm. which also could you know really play into they they were pretty much in a race to make this bomb that's before true. Germany did. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, we either make this bomb or they're going to, they're going to bomb us first. Like, you know, we Damn. could be invaded by Germany. That's true. bro. And you know, even though it was people's feet stomping at him, you know, making the bomb, I still think it's cool to think it, it could be other things. Yeah. I agree. Like, like Germans marching or, or like a train. I don't know. It could be a lot of things. 
but I do like how it was revealed in the film. Um, something so like scary is actually just people celebrating <laughs> that yeah. they they created a, a a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, but yeah, I I real quick to talk about um, there's been some people that have uh had a a negative um response to not showing the bombing in Japan. Like some people, but I like I don't really. Like why do you gotta? I don't know. I don't need to see that. I don't I think I. I, s- I don't know. Go ahead. I'm it's sorry. it's like oh, I'm trying to figure out how to word it because I saw somebody who's like a movie critic on Twitter and like other. I mean everybody's a critic on Twitter at this yeah. day. But like somebody was like, oh, like how are you gonna have a movie about this and these people that like actually suffered and then like not like have a single Japanese person like shown in the movie and I'm like. It's I'm, called Oppenheimer. I mean, yeah, it's it's Oppen <laughs> it's called Oppenheimer. It's from Oppenheimer's point of view, and I actually really like how it doesn't show that because from Oppenheimer's perspective, in that day and age, like it would have been like that's how it would have been, you know, like yeah. you wouldn't see it, you would just hear about it. Yeah, you wouldn't and be like, oh look, Nagasaki photos. Exactly, and for me, I don't know about you, but like in situations where I'm told about something that like is like scary or like bad and like I can't see it or I can't hear from that side and it's just me like visualizing it and using my own imagination to fill in the blanks of what I don't know. Yeah. It always makes it worse. Yeah. Because like I'm like, oh my God, like you're just imagining the worst happening. Exactly. So I think from his perspective, that's a lot of the reason why like that scene works so much of the stomping. Yeah. Because it's him in his own mind, like thinking about what he just helped do. Yeah. And all that. And it's just I think I think that's why like I think if it wouldn't have worked as well if you show if you did show that. Yeah. And I just love the perspective so much in this movie. I think so. I think there's even a scene where Oppenheimer is sitting down and they are showing the results of the bombing. And mm-hmm. it's not showing the screen, it's showing him reacting to what he's seeing. Yeah, yeah. And they're he, like he this like looks down. Yeah, they're like this is the city, like they're like people um like anyone that was you know, outside got instantly killed. Anyone that was, you know, lucky enough to be, you know, in a bunker or in a home, they crawled out thinking they were safe, but they would have died, you know, three to four weeks later from, from radiation. They talk about that. Um, but yeah, I do like how it doesn't show it because Mm -hmm. it, it's in a way being respectful. You know, why would you want to show a movie about the man who made the bomb and then let show a country or I'm sure the movie is showing in Japan, but showing that, in Japan, you know, on the movie screen, it, it's just a very respectful way to still touch on that piece of history, but not making it such like a a gore like spectacle. I don't want to say trauma porn because it's not, <laughs> but like but no, yeah, I agree. Like I, making a a whole scene based off of like what happened to these people. Like we already know. Yeah, we don't need to see everyone. It. It's it's all from Oppenheimer's perspective, yeah, so it, he I wouldn't agree. know what's gonna happen. I and I, agree. I agree with your perspective on that. Mm. Anyway, I mean, is there anything else we didn't touch on? I feel like we went hard on this. Yeah, I mean, Dude, I mean there's really good quotes in this movie. Oh, my God, there's so many. Theory will only take you so far. Um, there's one where he talks about when they first make the bomb, he's saying they, you know, they won't understand it, or they won't fear it until they understand it, and they won't understand it mm-hmm. until they've used it. Um, that's another great line. I mean, yeah, we really went hard on this movie. I, I think Silly Murphy... Review. He did an incredible job. I think he totally disappears behind Oppenheimer. I don't see the guy who was is in the Batman. I don't see 
you know, Peaky Blinders. I don't see him from Inception. Like he really yeah, I agree. embodies Oppenheimer. And I think what he can do with his eyes and the way he kind of just is able to, you know, project someone thinking of like the most horrible things. He does an excellent job. Kitty's, yeah. Kitty is great in it. I'm sorry. Emily Blunt <laughs> plays <laughs> Kitty. Uh, Florence Pugh. Matt Damon's great. Rami Malek. Uh, I really hope RDJ gets like a nomination for supporting I think he's actor. Gonna, one thing I was going to say is I I like how he he like changes his voice slightly. Yeah. Very slightly cuz like he he has a very distinct way of talking and you know his like the way he like enunciates things, you know, it's very particular and it's like become like the way like people hear him and they see and they hear Iron Man. Yeah. So I was worried that that would happen like take you out in of this it. movie and I would just hear Iron Man talking. But he changes his voice enough and talks enough like in a slightly different way, different enunciations where you can tell he's actually making like uh, an effort to like he's acting, you know what yeah. I mean? Like he's going in. Yeah. He's locked in. Yeah, I like that. And I didn't hear Iron Man at all. No. Like I, which is like I was low-key worried about that. The same way I was worried with um, Killian Murphy. I thought I might hear, um, or not hear, but maybe see a different character because he's played so many different roles. Yeah, and I didn't at all. I completely like think he completely embodied the character, like you said, and I completely believed everything I was seeing through his performance. Yeah, I think the cast really. I think everyone delivers like a hundred percent. I think every even the people that have like one line. Yeah, or like one a or two lines, scenes, like they do great. They add to the story. I don't think anyone ever steps on each other's. Like, like it seems like this movie was really just kind of shot like a documentary and people, instead of acting for the screen, they were kind of just let, they were just letting them be people on screen. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't like, all right, you're going to act as Oppenheimer. They're like, no, you're just going to be him. We're going to record. You are him. We're going to get it. You are him. (laughs) That's what (laughs) no one said. (laughs) Um, Did we talk about the IMAX? Because I know we spoke earlier in non-spoilers how it, it changes from IMAX aspect ratio to like the cinematic bars. Mm-hmm. So I figured I, when I was doing research, when they shoot an IMAX, it's a it's a large, it's a specialty IMAX camera that they are able to shoot in the aspect ratio. I think that certain scenes were in IMAX and some weren't because when you're filming with that big IMAX camera, it's incredibly loud. Like it's, it makes like a... Yeah, like I've it, heard it's loud as hell. It's very loud. And so... They take some shots that are in IMAX, like the full scale aspect ratio. Then there's some that are, um, that are just normal, like sixteen by nine ratio. When I first saw it, it I think I noticed it the second time. But when I first saw the movie, oh, well, I didn't see it in IMAX, of course. The first time I didn't notice it. The second time when I watched it in IMAX, I noticed it kept switching aspect ratios. And some people have been been critiquing it, saying that it takes you out of it, just switching of the aspect ratios. But I really don't think so. And I think from a practical standpoint to film an entire movie three hours with an IMAX camera is insane. And I don't think it takes me out of the movie at all. Like I I appreciate that it shows those wide shots, those wide landscape shots, you know, the Trinity test, the bomb, that's all in IMAX. But more per- like personal and close conversation um, scenes, are they have that cinematic bar. Yeah, I completely agree. I... I've heard the same argument. I've heard it from like multiple movies for like years now. People talk about yeah how it switches. And I think I don't really think it takes me out of it at all. The only time it will take me out and it didn't happen in this movie, but there are some movies where 
there's like multiple switches in a short amount of time. When that happens, I notice it and it's kind of jarring yeah. slightly. But with whenever it's like an extended sequence in that and then they switch to a wide angle that like stays on that. I mean, I don't see the issue. It works with me. Um, there's some movies, I can't think of any at the top of my head, where they do the aspect ratio switching because of IMAX cameras. I would say maybe Nope because Nope was filmed with IMAX cameras. Okay. So maybe that movie has a couple of switches like that. I don't remember. I don't remember the movie. I just know I've seen ones where it's usually action sequences because action sequences are typically like, you know, edited faster. There's a lot more cuts. Yeah. Um, so there's some movies out there that will have like a big wide IMAX shot and then it drops cinematic bars, opens up again. And it does it like almost every other cut. Yeah. So when that happens, that's when I'm like, Jesus, bro. Like it's, Going from giant, it's like I'm like going in and out of it. It's huge, and yeah. I'm like, like chill, chill, chill. And I, it, if it's noticeable, I think it's annoying. But for me, I felt like this didn't really distract or take away anything. If anything, it just like enhanced certain shots. And yeah, yeah, it's only something you would really notice if you see it in IMAX. If you I see agree. it standard or normal, like you're not going to notice it because you're not such gonna, a big screen. Yeah, it is a very big screen. Yep. Um, and I don't think every scene would have had to been IMAX aspect ratio. Like yeah. if they were just in that little hearing room and it was fully blown IMAX, that wouldn't, it would have been too much on the screen. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have been as focused. I agree. But definitely, I'm so glad that they extended this in IMAX. I think I might go see it again. As you should. Bro, take um, Sam. This, oh dude. <laughs> Bro, you know, dogs don't like fireworks. Yeah, Sam's uh Nick's dog. Yeah. His podcast dog. He's going to be scared. <laughs> oh yeah, a he doesn't like fireworks, off. dude. No dog. What dog likes fireworks, bro? bro? When that bomb goes off, imagine he'd just be chilling because it's all quiet. Just shits himself. <laughs> <laughs> he would start just like running around. The <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> no, yeah. Anyway, I, I mean, think I think we hit. Dude, everything. I mean, I think we hit every note of. I really think we did. I think this is gonna be a long ass review. I think so too. I, I mean, anyone that's stuck by the whole thing, like Jesus, I mean, <laughs> thank I, you. At this point, leave a like. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, leave. Like, at this you. point is when if you, you can haven't like. already. Please, thank you. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> leave a comment what you thought on the movie. Yeah, Nick. What I think. What What's your rating on this? I'd give this a five out of five. Uh, I think this is easily gonna be my top two movies. Mm. Not even top three, bro. Maybe top three. That I don't know what else could come out that could top it. I know that Martin Scorsese's Killers oh. of the Flower Moon is coming out. It's that true. is the only movie I think this year that could possibly top it. But I do love Nolan. Um, it's crazy. I saw this movie twice, you know, before reviewing it. I and think that's a rare. Three-hour movie too. It's it is. I think the second time it didn't feel as long. It I definitely agree. flew I by. Agree. The first time I was like, <sighs> like I was sitting up, like I, <laughs> like I was really straining to it to pay attention. But in in the second viewing, it really flies by. You have more context for everything. I think that's true. Yeah. And I think, which is typically not the case. Yeah, you're almost kind of waiting it, waiting for it not to be over. Like, like you really want it to keep going. At least yeah. I did the second time. And I think it's, if you're going to watch it for the first time, you should watch it IMAX the second time. I think you should also watch it IMAX. If Honestly, you, if you IMAX, have the opportunity. Yeah. IMAX the whole time, bro. If you can see it in IMAX 70 millimeter, go for that. Absolutely. If they don't have IMAX 70 millimeter where you're at, which is probably likely. Yeah. And there's not a lot of these theaters. Um, try 70 millimeter. Yeah. Because they, the Palladium and a couple of our theaters are showing it in just 70 millimeter. Oh, not, that's cool. Yeah, not IMAX 70 millimeter, but 70 millimeter. I've seen people that have been like, I've seen standard, I've seen IMAX digital, I've seen IMAX <laughs> 70 mil, I've seen 70 mil. They're oh like, I've God. seen all the formats. I actually saw this really good video by this guy. I don't know if he's a projectionist, uh-huh. but he breaks down how they use like 25 perf and like 45 perf. These are different film stocks they used to film. 
he breaks down the whole aspect ratio. And I watched that video, which kind of gave me some insight about it. Mm. But I'll link that down below. That okay. He has a really good channel um, talking about, you know, the difference between IMAX 70mm and why it's so rare. But, I mean, yeah, I think that's all we have to say about Oppenheimer. I'm I ready so to get too. out this suit. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm this, sure. This review, bro, this has to be like an hour and a half. I think it's going to be close to maybe longer. We bro. haven't done a two hour episode in a while. Oh, I think we started filming at like three. Dude, it's almost seven, bro. There's no way this is a like, three hour review. No, no, no. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I We'll see. Thank we'll you guys see. for listening or watching. Um, I gave this a five out of five, too. Okay. Um, We'll talk about that, I guess, later on. I'm sure this will come back at the end of the year and we do our like top five of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, That's going to be very special. The year review. What's coming up next? What We got any episodes coming out? I mean, Blue Beetle's coming out. Yeah, Blue Beetle. There's not much hype around that, but I mean, there's, all, no. there's a strike going on. so like they I know, there's like it. no hype around any movies now. I, f- I feel kind of bad because Blue Beetle like is probably not going to be. It looked well. good. But we'll see. I'm still going to see it, so I'm sure we'll talk about that at yeah. some point. Um, we got Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion just happened. Yeah, we both finished that, we gotta, so we got to talk, talk about, about that. that. I got to watch Indiana Jones. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Uh, We got Talk to Me. I finally talk, saw that I finally recently. Saw that, yeah. Dude, that came out like the week after Barbie Barbenheimer. Oh yeah, and I saw it before. Yeah, you did. You saw, saw it very it, early. I saw it early. I, I just saw, saw it like this a month ago. I just saw it maybe two days ago. Damn. So it's still very fresh in my mind. But yeah, we got. Yeah, that's talk all news to me. for me, little bro. What else we got? Talk to me. There's uh, a lot. You had a. You sent me a John list Wick. Of stuff. Oh bro, yeah. You got to finish the Mandalorian. You're right. You got to finish right. Mando. I've seen the first two. I have to see John Wick. And there then, was a trailer for the John Wick Continental TV oh, show. Oh really? We could talk about that on that whenever we review that. Okay. okay. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot coming up. Um, make sure to subscribe if you're on YouTube or follow if you're listening on Spotify, Apple yes. Podcasts, or anything else. Uh, check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, go, hop on the Twitter because I'm going to start talking mess to like some <laughs> bad, <laughs> bad Twitter. Hey, tweets. follow us on Threads, too. We're on Threads. Oh, yeah, there's a Threads. Is, is the, that still the a copy-paste thing? app of uh, Twitter. <laughs> I don't even know what Twitter is anymore, bro. Yeah, it, knows. It's... I hate social media. Our letterboxes are going to be in the description as well. Oh, yes. Um, we, I follow back. I don't know about Josh. Yeah, I'll follow back. That's fine. But um, I'm trying to hit 100 followers, bro. Damn. Yeah, I see ha- people that have 5K followers on Letterboxd. That's I'm like, wild. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's wild. It's fun, though, when you have like your homepage and you see what people like watching. I, I, yeah, it's I fun like to see what, what the cinephiles are up to. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah, look at all that in the description below. Uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.